Oh, look at that. It's Eminem. We haven't opened up a show with Eminem just yet. We haven't. You got to love your Eminem. You do. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. We are at episode 34 now. 34? We've been at this while. Been at it a little while now. It's been about three quarters of a year at this point. That's crazy. But yeah, no, we're having a great time. We're doing it, but. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, can hear the music that we got here, we got Eminem's Venom, because that's the movie we're talking about tonight, because we know there's a sequel drops tomorrow. So what a perfect time to talk about Venom. So thanks for joining us, whether it's on the Facebook stream, if you're joining us on Twitter, joining us on Instagram, if you're joining us on the audio only version, wherever you have found that, you know, Spotify or Apple or iTunes and stuff like that. Always appreciate it. Uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, thanks a lot. What's up, everybody? Uh, yeah, so we that's it. We got our movie tonight, and uh, we got a bunch of shows to talk about, as per usual. And I even got a quick comment in here, and uh, never fails. <laughs> thanks, Al. <laughs> thanks, Al. I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen Venom or not yet, but we're about to... Talk about it, and if you haven't, we're gonna spoil the hell out of it. It came out in 2018, so if you haven't seen it by now, I actually well. <laughs> can't believe Al. I never asked you if you've seen Venom or not, because you are such a big Spider-Man fan. I'm curious if you've seen this movie. Oh yeah. Um, Frosty, <laughs> a big Spider-Man guy too, and I know nice. he has some feelings about Venom. So, Frosty, you come on. If you want to jump in. At the Venom portion, you're more than welcome to jump in because we get we got a lot to talk about with that. We do. Um, oh boy, we do. Yeah, we sure do. So Tony will be joining us for the Venom portion too. So who knows? We may have a whole panel by the end of the show. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Jason, what's going on, man? You uh, you had your big, you know, a trip and everything like that. So what's going on? Yeah, yeah, no, everything's good, man. I'm back at work, so like I gotta admit, I'm a bit behind in my my unhassling the half. I didn't I didn't get to watch the Baywatch nights this week because I'm back to work. I apologize, guys, but I promise once I get a handle on this school year, we're gonna get back to unhassling the half, my friends. Yeah, uh, and the the half actually had an anniversary this week, which really? we had shared. Yeah, oh, yes, because it was yes, when, right. when Night Rider. Night Rider debuted, and I thought that was like uh, that was pretty big news because I mean, as a kid, I was like really huge into Night Rider. I had like a model of kit yeah. and everything like that I put together, um, and I actually helped. Random quick story is I helped Mister uh, the actor who who did a uh, voice of Kit and also played Mister Feeny. Get Eddie, you met this guy? He came in shopping at Godiva when I was a manager up there years ago, and <laughs> it's funny because awesome. I I didn't recognize him because I was not like a Boy Meets World guy, right? So. I didn't know who he is. I kind of looked down like he looks a little familiar. And then he started talking to one of the employees that we yes. had. And I was like, yes. yes. I only had somebody named Michael that worked here. This would be perfect. <laughs> I, would, I would love to have seen you just behind the counter going, dan, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, I absolutely adored Knight Rider. So my uh, my hop love is goes goes pretty far. Yeah, no, Knight Rider was a great show. And actually, I realized that I liked Boy Meets World because of Mr. Feeney. And I liked Mr. Feeney because it was something about his voice I found really comforting. And then I found, because I didn't realize it was he was Kit until I was an adult. And when I found out, I was like, that's why I love that guy so much, because he was Kit from Knight Rider. <laughs> uh, 
So let's see. Alex has got some. I'll probably watch a little after the sequel comes out. You're going to watch the original after the uh, sequel. Look, look, Interesting Eddie, choice. Eddie, knowing the the movie we watched today and knowing how how much Woody Harrelson is in the sequel, I almost did the same. I would have done the same thing if you didn't make me watch this movie. Oh, I'm not. I'm not taking blame for this one. Yeah. You, you, you have been All warned right. for some time, my friend. You're right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And look, I've blame made us watch... Guy. Blame the other guy. I, I have made us watch my fair of movies that everyone hated, so I'm taking it. I get it. I'm just saying I was I was trying to avoid this one. <laughs> Perhaps he's... I know he's. this is his yeah. thing. He loves to drop. Hungry. Hungry. And food. <laughs> I want frozen tater tots. Or Actual chocolate. line from the movie. Oh, there's some there's some gems there in, in this movie, trust me. There are some serious gems in there. <laughs> the oh man. Uh, I can't wait to talk about some of them. Yeah. But before we do get to you know our, our movie of the week, we got some shows to chat about. So we uh mm-hmm. let's start it off as always with uh CW. So we got Stargirl. Yeah. Uh we're gonna talk about uh the episode from last night, which was episode eight, and last week's that was episode seven. Um so I would say that we got some pretty good progress on the overall story uh, for the last two weeks. Uh, you know, in episode seven, last week's episode, Wildcat is dealing with like a lot of um, hardships with uh, with Brainwave and that whole deal, and uh, and it really focuses pretty deeply on that. She her like PTSD from like, yeah, kind of I- killing Brainwave. Which I really enjoy because, again, that was something that was big for this character. If you guys, whoever remembers watching the first season, like there was this moment where our man was dead set on killing Solomon Grundy. And she says, no, killing is wrong in the eyes of God. And then she's the one who winds up killing Brainwave. And our man can't go through with it with Solomon Grundy. And that they actually referenced that in this episode. So I'm really glad they brought this back in and didn't forget about this. Yeah, no, and that was for me. That was like the focal point of it. Um, we'll talk more about it when we we talk about episode eight. But in episode seven, this creepy kid, this little creepy little blonde yeah. kid, who's Eclipso, walking around like the Eclipso kid. Yeah, exactly. But at that point, we weren't. I, I mean, were you? Did you know it was him immediately, or did you kind of well, like? Yes, confirmed. Be, no, no, it was confirmed because it's the same kid that they showed in the flashback of like the first or second episode yes, yes, yes. steals Dr. McKnighter's daughter. So I recognized that kid. So I was like, that's how I knew it was a Calypso. Uh, yeah. This, this little creepy kid just keeps popping oh up God. throughout the episode. And he's like, really weird. He's village of the damned kid. He's like blonde. Like I used to be yeah. before I lost my hair. And he's like, Hey, you know, and, and we see him actually more devious in tonight's episode or yesterday's Oh yeah. Episode. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll get into his, yeah. uh, his comments further, which I was oh, like, yeah. wow. I was like, I, I can't believe this show's coming. going there. No, I was pretty shocked. Um, yeah, so we got uh, the scene. There's a scene, too, in episode seven where Yolanda falls asleep at her Ooh. desk. I have a note about this. Yes, it was an absolute allusion to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. 100%. One, the whole thing plays out exactly the same way yep. as the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Absolutely. And I look, I was there for it. I enjoyed it. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, it, I don't think it was ripping it off. I think that was no. straight homage. Like, they knew what they were doing, and I really enjoyed it. And because I'm watching it going, wait, is this? Are they do know who they are. Like, that was kind of me watching that episode. Yeah, no. And then we, in the, you know, the comparisons of Eclipso 
and Freddy Krueger are, I mean, right there, too. He looks like Freddy Krueger wearing, like, the Green Goblin's costume. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what Eclipso looks like to me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I did love that Elm Street homage. Uh, then we see Brainwave is very much in Yolanda's mind, uh, besides the Elm Street stuff. And throughout the episode, she, he, she's seeing a bunch of stuff and playing on her guilt and, and things like that. And um, I like that, like, it's obvious Eclipso doing this to her. Yeah. But I like that he's manifesting himself as, no, 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 I'm Brainwave. I Before you killed me, I got in your head. And mm -hmm. so she actually thinks it's Brainwave, which is why she, at the end of this episode, winds up quitting the team. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was so cool, because even I'm watching it going, I know it's Eclipso, but this episode is doing such a good job of convincing Yolanda it's, um, it's the other guy yeah. that... I'm starting to believe it might be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I was there too. I was definitely yeah. there too. So it, again, I, I applaud this episode for taking me where I knew it was going, but still having me doubt we were going there. Yeah, no, I I, I fully agree. I, I actually had to wonder where we were at too with this. Um, and then pretty much, yeah, Yolanda ends up confessing after all of this to the JSA, you know, about her murder of Rainwave, which I guess was something they never really fully addressed. And she went ahead and she kind of came clean about it. And yeah, at the end of the episode, she ends up kind of like hanging up yeah. her wildcat gear. Right, because uh, our man uh, forgives her because he understands. But, mm -hmm. excuse me, um, I forget her name. Beth is her real name is Beth. Beth yeah. It, yeah, Beth doesn't, doesn't not forgive her, but doesn't forgive her. She's questioning. And that makes Yolanda realize, no, 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 I'm, uh, I, I shouldn't have done this. And she bails. And I think it also goes into... Again, the whole theme of this season of family and families telling the truth and families accepting each other and families lying. And, you know, Yolanda has this thing where her family does not accept her because she had that, you know, the, that's the, that sex tape that got yeah. leaked. And now her JSA family doesn't accept her. So, again, I, I, I love this show because it, it's, it's working on so many levels thematically that you almost don't notice it. Yeah, and they are they, they do weave in a lot of things that are there, and I mean everything seems to have a payoff too. I mean the one thing I'm still waiting for, and we don't get in episode eight either, is what is up with Scarman still? Like, yeah, we saw he's still around, and he kind of looked like he was heading towards Blue Valley, and then that still hasn't paid off. Knowing from what we've seen though. I'm sure he'll show up at yeah. just the right time, and I'm very curious to see where that goes. Yeah, I, I know when I watched when I watched season one, I had moments where like I, this hasn't paid off, that hasn't paid off. But by the end of the season, I was like, they paid everything off they needed to. So mm -hmm. this show is, I have trust in this show that it will pay off what it's going to pay off, what, it, what yeah. it promises to pay off. Yeah. So that brings us to last night's episode eight. So if you haven't seen episode eight yet, uh, it did drop last night. Uh, spoiler warning: it is. Uh, you know, it's it's a fairly new thing. We'll throw it up on the bottom. Yeah. So if you haven't seen episode eight, come check us out another time. We're just going to skip this part yet. Um, yeah. For So for episode eight, something I know, Jason, you were really excited about. They finally, like, confirmed, confirmed that Rick has been taking care of Solomon Grundy yes. in the woods. And yeah. I love that. I love that, like, we actually get Solomon Grundy is there hanging out with him. Rick has this great, like, monologue about this dog because his uncle's a shit heel. Like, this, ep yeah. this episode starts off with the teacher, by the way, and I made a note that the teacher who, who accused him of cheating comes to apologize and say, hey, look, you know, I've been doing research on your behalf for colleges. You can do this, which, you know, 
God, teacher really like redeeming herself there. But then his shit heel uncle comes out and is like, hi, you're an idiot, kid. But then we go yeah, to what a Oh, he's a piece of shit. I hate that guy. Uh, he blames his he blames our man because his parents were killed and he had to he got stuck raising him. It's like, dude, it's no one's it's blame blame the the ISA. Leave this kid alone. Um, but he has this moment with Grundy where he's telling him like, my uncle had this dog and he bought him and it was abused dog and he wanted it to fight it. He wanted it to be a fighting dog, so he just kept abusing it. And I pretended it ran away and I took it to a family and I, and it adopted it. And a year later, I saw it. And it was a different dog because this dog had love. And then, like, you see that echoed in Solomon Grundy. He's like, yeah, you don't know what I'm saying. And Solomon Grundy kind of pats him on the back and shares his food with him. And it kind of shows that they've made this connection because yeah. they do have, like, Solomon Grundy was, Grundy was like, a tool of the ISA. And he was very much abused by them. But they didn't treat him with compassion like uh, like our man is. And I, I'm really interested to see where this winds up going. Yeah, and, and throughout the episode, though, which is a, we, this episode pretty much is Eclipso, which we find out was, did you think it was Eclipso the whole time screwing with both of, okay. So, I did, yeah. I yeah, did. both storylines, I was a little bit wondering with the Grundy stuff, but then once I, they show that, oh, you know, they set, he kind of like set Grundy up to look like he murdered this random little girl. Right. Then I'm like, yeah, this is Eclipso now. Well, so that's to where, yeah. To be honest, that's where I figured it was Eclipso for him. I knew it was Eclipso for Beth the whole time. Okay. Um, but interesting scene when when Solomon Grundy's there with the girl, that talking about illusions like we were to like horror things, that's an allusion to Frankenstein. Like yeah, for sure. that's a, a scene in the movie and the book. So I think it's interesting that they're making these parallels of Solomon Grundy as Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, and, and this show from and I've said this before here, is that this show on its surface really looks like, you know, uh, Americana apple pie and everything like that, but it goes pretty dark with a lot of horror shit, like really really beneath the surface. And uh, another thing that they get into though. So with Beth's storyline here, the, the current, um, the current Dr. Midnight, she's there. And she also finds out briefly, by the way, that Dr. McKnighter is in the shadow lane. Yes. So pretty much confirming that. Yes. Which I called that. I think like Mm -hmm. what the, the second it happened. Yeah, he's in a place called the Shadowland. He's communicating through the goggles, you know, throughout the episode. But Beth's whole thing yeah. is that Eclipso is like preying on all her insecurities about joining the team, about her relationship with her parents, and then it takes the form of this creepy little blonde kid again, who, by the way, really goes there. Oh, he, God, he says does. some crazy shit like, "Oh, you're supposed to be." People like you are supposed to be more athletic yeah. and fighters and all of that. And that's, at first, I'm like, is he yeah. really going there? Is he really like saying like heroes in general? But no, he makes yeah, it blatantly no. obvious eventually. Yep. And let's just say he goes as far as you can without dropping the N-word. Yes. Making it clear of his racist intent. But again, look, this this is not the show being racist. This is the villain, the villain using yeah. using racism to goad this particular woman or girl who of course it's a sore spot for her. so i just want to make that clear because we are you know it's we're always very quick to to drop the hammer on that this show yeah. is not being racist it is not no. showing it in a good light at all no i just i was, I was just amazed that they had the little little blonde kid go in there and the oh, yeah, me too. Saying it. and she <laughs> like throws it back in his face eventually when she gets past it and she realizes what's going on and these are illusions and stuff like that it's um also i thought there was another now, now that you mention it, 
the scene that the illusion that Beth is there and she's eating like uh, supposedly about to eat lunch with her parents. Yes, it's an illusion. The worms in the food. I thought of the lost. Poltergeist, is that where you went? I thought of the I, Lost Boys. Okay, okay, I can see that. I can see that. I think you know, both of them make sense. I mean, they're but both yeah. horror elements. Right, right. Um, but I, I thought Poltergeist, when he gets the chicken and you see the... Uh, which always scared yeah. me as a kid. That's why I remembered mm -hmm. it. With the worms coming to the chicken. Like, I didn't eat chicken, like a roast chicken like that for like two weeks after watching <laughs> that movie, you know? Yeah, I thought um, of the Lost Boys when he's just like, hey, Michael, you know, you're eating worms and he's eating the Chinese food and stuff like that. And I guess it's because there's been a lot of Lost Boys talk online because they're rebooting that. Of course, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they're rebooting, rebooting everything. Yeah, exactly. But even with those things, I'm more like, I'll wait yeah. back and see. Because some of we'll them are, are pretty good. No, hey, look, I'll give everything a chance. But I, my thing is, like, when I like the original so much, yeah, I kind of just am like, well, for me, what's the point? Like... Like like that Psycho remake, right? That they did in the nineties. Well, that was an exception. That was really you went shot for shot. He did, but to be honest, I, I went in and watched that, saying yeah. I'm curious what this is about, and then I watched it and went, well, that was interesting, but I never have to watch it again because I can just watch the original. So unless Agreed. the reboot, like that's also what I felt about honestly the the Ghostbusters movie. Like everyone hated the female Ghostbusters. I didn't hate it. I watched it. I went, yeah, that was fine, but. I have the original to watch if I ever have a hankering for Ghostbusters, so I can just watch the original. Like, it's nothing wrong with it. It's just not something I'd ever revisit. Yeah, I mean, i i didn't I didn't like the the Ghostbusters remake, uh, and it wasn't because it was all female cast. I just thought the writing was poor. I thought the cameos were pointless. Like, they were literally all pointless. And I don't know. I, I just thought it was kind of goofy. Yeah, but, no, again, it, yeah. it was it was what it was. I'll never see it again. But you know, I, I couldn't say it was the worst thing I've seen. I am excited for Ghostbusters Afterlife, though. So uh, really, uh, no? Yeah, I'm not. I am because I, I wanted a Ghostbusters, a legit Ghostbusters sequel. I don't like two. So Afterlife kind of looks interesting, and it's Paul Rudd too. So I'm like, yeah, and it it's might... Ivan Reitman's kid directing it. So I'm like, yeah, well, we'll it, see. it it might be fun. But my thing is like Ghostbusters. For me, is Ghostbusters the movie? Ghostbusters 2 was just, I saw it as a kid and I liked yeah. it as a kid because I was a dumb kid. I watched the Ghostbusters cartoon show, but like, yes. I don't think that movie was ever supposed to be like a property franchise with 20 sequels. So no. that's why I'm happy with just the first one. Yeah, I, and whatever. We'll, we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it, whatever. It's, it's again, it's, it, there's no right or wrong here. No, no. <laughs> listen, you got Re you got Regal Limited or something like that? You can go to a movie theater and go see whatever the hell you want. That's actually a very good point. That's uh, a very good know, point. Like a movie we're going to go see tomorrow, but, you know, whatever. We're not going <laughs> to Well, let's get back to Stargirl because I don't want to. I'm like yeah, yeah, chopping at the bit. I'm chopping at the bit to get to this at the end. But, yes. Um. Yeah, so after a little racist kid named Bruce goes in and has his Dr. McCarthy thing, it was just weird, man. I'm sorry. I was like, I was laughing and part of me, and a, and a part of me was cringing. Uh, but Eclipso's whole thing is that he wants to dismantle the JSA little by little because he's having uh, Rick pretty much turn on Grundy because an illusion that's there because he thinks he's uh, Rick goes after him and does this whole Hour Man thing and chases what he thinks is Grundy down and ends up beating a crap out of his, out of his uncle over there and beats him senseless. And he gets arrested for it yeah. because he thinks it's Grundy. Uh, and Beth pretty much ends up uh, wants he, he Eclipso wants her to admit that she's not part of really part of the JSA 
She wasn't really chosen. Yeah. Our she stole it. That. That was she her stole thing. it. Yeah. And he, she flips it around. She's like, you know something? Nah. I'm a, I chose me to be Dr. Mc, the new Dr. Midnight. I chose that. And she says a whole bunch of other stuff. And her last line to him was like, you want to know some men? And I'm proud to be black too. I'm like, you tell him. Yes. You tell him, Beth. Boom. <laughs> smack us. Smack Kruger away. I mean, that's right. Goblin. I mean, Eclipse. <laughs> I mean, the Wishmaster. <laughs> yeah, Wishmaster. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> tell all of them to get lost. Uh, and yeah, and then pretty much at the end of the episode, we find out Beth finds her self confidence. And Grundy sees Rick being taken away in a cop car. And he just looks away really sad. And he's like, friend. And he says a word there. And you feel sad for Solomon Grundy, which I was right. like, wow, I did not think we were ever going to have to say something like that. Right. But again, they, this show is really, again, it's very nuanced and it really handles Grundy in such a, a very cool way, you know, because like, again, he just, he's an animal, right? He's a zombie. He's, he's not the, well, whoever he was before he became Solomon Grundy is God. He's just a, an animal. And, yeah. you know, to treat him with kindness is to get kindness in return. And, and again, I think that's part of what this show is talking about. You get what you give you, you know, it's again, I I really, really finessed look at Solomon Grundy in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes as uh, season two moves along next week. Uh, But our other CW show that's chugging along right now is super chugging is right. Chugging along. Um, We got two episodes to talk about with that. So, Jason, you want to kick it off with uh, your notes on uh, episode 12? All right. So we've got a lot to say I, about it. I got a lot to say about it, but I, I got to say this right up front. Okay. I'm a middle-aged white man and I, I really like the message of this episode. I think these conversations should happen. I think, uh, you know, th- there, there needs to be understanding. There needs to be real listening and real dialogue. And that is what this episode is advocating for. And I think the message is sound and wonderful. However, I don't think it was handled the best way. Th- I mean, this is a show, Supergirl, that has really delved into social issues like this concerning, like, immigration and the such. And it has given us sort of allegory, right? The immigrants are the aliens and Supergirl is an immigrant herself and she's an alien and she's like our hero. And, and I've always really appreciated that about this show, but I feel that this particular episode and this particular message seems like it was just kind of dropped out of left field. And it was just kind of like, okay, well here it is. We've ticked that off be off our you know list of things we got to talk about. Cause we're getting to the end of the season. And I stole that from you, Ed, I'm sorry, but yeah, oh, that was fine. your, that was completely yours. Um, but yeah, this whole our, episode... our thing has been, sorry, Jake, but yeah, our, yeah, yeah, our thing has been, listen, if you watch our show, you know that we're not too thrilled with the way they're handling the sixth episode, a uh, sixth season of Supergirl, because it just seems like there's no overall story arc that they're telling. They keep jumping right. around all and over, and it's almost like this episode, they took a time out to be like, all right, so let's just see. You have one more season left. Let's check off the boxes of the social issues we have not addressed yet on our show. So, you know, being that we got to get to it with our last season. And we felt like it was just, I just felt like it was at, at expense of telling an entire overall yeah. story of the one you've been telling for the past five seasons. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And again, it's like, it wasn't clever. So the whole story is, no. um, you know, Mick, uh, Nixie gives power to 
the residents of like the um you know the I forget the the part of town they live in, but uh you know the the one that that Kelly was really going to bat for and uh Supergirl actually two three episodes ago was also really going yeah. to bat and really yeah. going all out to save this town. So it, that even is more inexplicable to me why she's shamed for not doing enough in this episode when she has in fact done and but whatever. Um, but like this literally has a corrupt politician using, she, she gets the magic powers and she uses the magic powers to literally suck the life of her constituents. Literally. literally. Yes. And it's not like, figuratively, I, look, not literally. figuratively, literally. And it's like, I get it. Our politicians on both sides of the fence, in my opinion, are sucking us dry as human beings. But like, if you're going to do this in Supergirl, give me some allegory, give me some, some illusion, like make, make it, don't just say, yes, politicians are sucking us dry. It just seemed too ham-fisted, too, like they're, they're beating us over the head with it. You know what yeah. I mean? They did. And, and uh, well, you, you go through the notes because there was some pretty interesting things for the overall Arrowverse, CW-verse, whatever you want to call it. Right. That did happen in this. They were a pretty big deal was mixed into here, including Diggle. Yes. Yeah, because we get Diggle. And my, my note, Diggle digs it up because he just shows up and he's like, hey, because Kelly calls James. So this whole this whole episode revolves around Kelly trying to, Kelly Olsen trying to save the people of the community that she was helping a couple of episodes ago as, you know, a, psychi a psychologist and a social worker. And uh, she calls James, her brother, James Olsen, Jimmy Olsen, who was in the show previously. Uh, and she's like, look, I don't know how you did it, but now I don't know what to do. And J and then Diggle shows up like, oh, James sent me. I'm here to help you, um, which I like that. And this episode kind of does confirm, like, the Green Lantern thing, right? Uh, like, he kind of addresses it twice and yeah. not so subtly both times, which I th I was through the roof about that. that I was, was the too. one thing while I'm watching it. I'm like, finally, finally, finally. He mentions it. In a sense of when he's like, yeah, I was offered a thing to be another kind of hero. Yeah. We're talking pretty much a yes. space cop. Okay. But it would have meant me leaving my family behind. And it feels like at the end of the, and he also mentions, but she's like, oh, Kelly, Kelly, the way she says it. So I thought it was funny. It's like, oh, Diggle from Star City. Like we're spelling it out for you. If you did not yeah. watch Arrow, whatever. And um, he was like, yeah. And then he goes into that whole thing. And at the end of the episode, when he leaves, because it is kind of weird how he's there, talks to her, has this whole thing, isn't involved in the big fight at the end. Nope. Then show then just happens to be there waiting to talk to her again at the end. And it's like, you know, uh, it was, oh yeah, he also says not from Star City anymore, but these days from Metropolis. Metropolis, yep. Following up on that. And then it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I got other, was it oh, something about like other cities? But he says, yeah, other stars and moons or like planets that need yeah. my help or something like that. And then he leaves. I'm like, this dude is going to be yeah. Green Lantern. It's happening. And look, I'm all in. I'm in for it. I love yes. this guy who plays Diggle. I I love the idea of just, and I've said this before, just jumping to the Jon Stewart Green Lantern because I mm -hmm. think that that's kind of like my Green Lantern because I, I cut my teeth with DC when it came to those, those uh, animated shows on the WB. Like, that came after uh, and Batman the Animated Series, but were in the same style. And so that was my Green Lantern, and that was Jon Stewart. So I'm all for this happening. Did you also catch the who he quoted also? 
Uh, did I? Let me see if I write this. To, uh, remind me, and I'll tell you if I caught Dig, it. Dig literally quotes Jefferson Pierce. Yo, oh, yes, yes, I did. I actually did write that down. Yeah. I said, um, <laughs> I appreciate the Diggle quote of Jefferson Pierce, but my quote was, "Don't, don't, don't be quoting Jefferson Pierce in this ham-fisted episode." Like, <laughs> like Black Lightning was about what this episode was pretending to be about. Yes. Like the yes. series of Black Lightning was about what this one episode was trying to tackle. And I kind of felt like don't don't bring Jefferson Pierce into this because that was a show that really tried to tackle this. Now you could argue it didn't do it well or it did do it well. I think it did, but what do I know? I right. Well. But there's a, you can always argue, but yeah. don't bring Jefferson Pierce into this one episode where you've decided to tackle what it tackled for four seasons. Yeah. I just thought it was cool that it was like, so we got Diggle crossover, and then we got Diggle. Acknowledging that he's that he knows Jefferson that was Pierce, awesome. and I'm like, yes, okay, I'll take that part of it. And don't get me wrong, if Jefferson Pierce showed up, I'd have been like, oh my god, it's Black Lightning, it's Jefferson Pierce. I've been so excited. I would so, have lost my mind. Don't get me wrong, I would have appreciated that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, pretty much this episode is uh, Kelly really putting the screws to the team, because they're focused on trying to stop Nixley, but. Nixley has given the power to the politician who's literally sucking the, the life out of her constituents and physically destroying all the buildings in her, her little place so she can build high rises. And uh, she put like Kelly puts the screws to the team because they're not laser focused on that, that neighborhood and they're trying to stop Nixley, which again, I get what they're trying to do, but I don't really think that's fair because like if there is a nuclear bomb hovering over the United States and and I am Supergirl and I'm trying to stop the nuclear bomb from killing everyone, like the, sh- the people who are sort of worried about the street level stuff, like Kelly, uh, who's, you know, Sentinel, right? Or is she Guardian? Guardian. Right? She's Guardian. Guardian. Sorry. The Sentinel, other Sentinel is uh, Billy Idol. Yeah. Be- Billy Idol. <laughs> no, David Bowie. Sorry, David, David Bowie. Bowie. My bad. But, like, so to shame her for not being laser-focused, it's like, well, I'd get it if there was nothing else going on, but, like, there's a nuclear bomb hanging over the world, and you're blaming her for not being laser-focused on this one part of the city, and it's like, I get that part of the city is important, but I don't know. I just It just felt weird and ham-fisted, and I, I wish they would have put this in the character of Kelly before. Yeah, and it comes completely out of left field. Like it's that—that's a problem too. It comes out of left field. If she was, if she was a character who was in touch with that part of her, maybe if they made it clear that she grew up in a similar neighborhood, I personally can't imagine the James Olsen they gave us in the first four seasons being someone who grew up poor. I don't know if they established that, but he was very polished. She's very polished. And look, I grew up poor, and I, I can be very polished. So it, it doesn't that yeah. doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying, like they, they gave no real hint that this is was their cultural identity, and for then it to be dropped like it was, I, I just I felt if they wanted to address this, which they should have, because they address things like this. I wish they would have given more thought to building it up and making it more part of the story of the season instead of just dropping the episode in. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And one thing I think they did handle well, which is something I, I didn't really think about, but it does tie in well, um, is to pretty much say when John Jones is talking about it and he talks about 
he he chose to wear the face of a black yes. man and stuff like that, and he connects it like with him feeling like, and I know that he's never been a part of like you know the earth and stuff like that, and and he just connects it with like not feeling like connected with everything else like around him. So he uses that whole thing, and he's like, you know something, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I chose to wear this face. I'm glad that I'm going with it. And I thought that was cool because I never honestly really thought about it in in connection with the episode. Right. Oh, yeah, sorry. John Jones is here. But then again, I'm thinking to myself, John Jones is technically an alien, but wearing a disguise. But then he addressed that whole point, which I thought was pretty cool that they they got into that. And that was not like a that part was handled well. But, yeah, overall, the episode. Yeah. Pretty much at the end, by the end of the episode, we get Kelly is fully Guardian now. She has her costume all spray painted. You know, she made it her own color. She added her own fit. Sight lines were fixed as she talks about because she's not running around with James Olsen's, you know, guardian right. costume. Was, which, which I mean, he's a lot bigger. Makes sense. Yeah, James Olsen was like three feet taller than her, right? I mean, whatever. I'm, I mean, I'm being, no, he's a big, big guy. Dude, yeah, he's a big guy. She's fucking taller than me. Yeah, so, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, I guess then uh, last night's episode, episode 13. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I meant to take notes on this and I didn't because I, I, I thought for the most part it was just a good episode. Like, yeah. I, I thought this was the kind of episode that um, that feels like an episode that should be at the end of your final season. We have um, Supergirl and Nixley. They're both trying to get this artifact, uh, which, you know, has the fifth dimensional power. It's the MacGuffin of the this season. And it breaks because it's literally just a slingshot. Yeah. Or or turkey wishbone, right? Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> and it breaks, and they have to do... Uh, they pretty much have to relive the worst day of their life and the the time that they were the most cowardly in the opinion of the Arbiter, and uh, they have to do it right. And I thought it was interesting that that Nixley does it right. Yeah, like she figures out not not meaning to, like she means to. So Nixley's thing is the day of the coup where her father, her brother, turns on her and imprisons her, and her father gets rid of her and so at first she tries to kill her father and she fails and the second time she's going to kill her brother but she can't do it and so she breaks down emotionally and tells him how terrible it is what he's doing and she passes and i thought that was really cool like that was the test can you be an actual human being yeah and that's what i yeah i thought that was an interesting way to do it and i thought it was cool that uh supergirl's test was to go back to pretty much the first episode you know, and I thought it was cool, like that, how they did that, and it also reminded. I brought me back to the first episode. And I'm like, man, when the show was awesome. Yeah, no, that was a great first episode. <laughs> and actually, this, epi- this episode reminds me that Supergirl yeah. is completely driven by the fact that she feels guilty that she only decided to start saving people when her sister was in peril. Yeah, like I, that's made clear in this episode. So there's some really good character stuff in this episode too. Hmm. Agreed. By the way, there was I had a WTF moment from episode twelve. Oh, okay. Let's just go. Just my mind for a second. So there was a scene where um, it was John Jones and uh, and David Bowie are walking in, and they're they're about to just walk into this like building that's been busted up. Supergirl comes flying in from the top. Yeah. They're in a hallway. Did she just burst through the whole like building, like ten floors of it? And just show up. She just appears, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" 
just happened. This is why I say that this show made me realize this would be a nightmare world if superheroes really existed. And that was before I saw um, The Boys. boys. Yeah. And it was an episode of Supergirl where she had a panic attack in an elevator in, in Catco Industries and just flew through the elevator. And I'm like, you literally just destroyed the elevator and the roof. You might have hurt people. You may have killed people. Like, and you don't give a fuck. <laughs> yep. And they say Homeland is bad. Right, exactly. I and mean, I am not there. And all jokes aside, that I'm not comparing Homeland and Supergirls. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll no, get no. into the boys when we get into the boys. We, yeah, yeah. But look, look. Let's just say that Homelander is evil and Supergirl is very optimistic and a bit naive. <laughs> yes, which is fine. <laughs> That's... That's the character. That is the character. Uh, what else did I like about this episode? Oh, Martian Manta trying to reason with the dragon. That, that was, was actually that's my favorite part of the episode. Martian Manhunter. So they all get everyone who's around uh, Supergirl or Nixley uh, at the time of when it was bro- the thing was broken. Whenever they fail a challenge, they get like cosmic energy and they get some powers and they get like braver. And I really liked what they did with braver so like you know the martian manhunter became braver enough to share his emotions and not like always always and so his whole thing is like you know i'm really proud of you girls you girls have really grown up into wonderful people and like brainy you're always helping and i really appreciate that and then he at one point tries to reason with a dragon like i know you're mad but let's talk about this and i actually thought that was really funny that was no the, the effects of everyone on of uh the Super Friends was was pretty funny. I thought that was actually my favorite part of the episode. Sir. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, so I think this is actually probably my favorite episode of Supergirl this season. Yeah, no, I, I would say it's it's definitely up there because I mean it, it has been a slog as we've it's documented been bad. before. So it's been bad, and this was fun, and this furthered the story, and I I wasn't left at any moment going what 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 are we? This is the last season, right? What are we doing? Yeah. So. No. Uh, a freaking plus for me. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to uh, let's jump over to the MCU briefly. All uh, right. Let's talk about last week's what if? What if Thor was an only child? Um, this episode, I'm gonna say something. It was a lot of fun. It was completely different, especially all the twisted, screwed up stories we've been getting from what if leading up to this. This one I thought was a ton of fun. It made me laugh a lot. Darcy getting married to Howard the Duck because we got a, quite a bit Howard the Duck in this. We do get a lot of Howard the Duck. That was my one of my favorite things. Uh, seeing like pretty much what happens is <clears throat> the gist of it is if Odin didn't go ahead and adopt Loki and save him and you know, take him from the Frost Giants, kind of just like brought him somewhere you know else, and he stayed in the Odenheim and everything, and Thor didn't really learn to be a hero. He was going to continue being kind of like a pompous meathead, kind of like asshole. And he ends up taking parties like college rager parties to different planets with no consequences and pretty much destroys them. Not by like, that's his intention, but like he just wrecks shop. And in the beginning of the episode, Odin kind of goes into his sleep. Thor doesn't really care. Because he's kind of like a brat and everything like that at that point. Frida, Frida seemed like she didn't really care too much either. So I thought that was a little bit weird. That was, then, yeah, that was strange. Yeah, that was a little strange. 
So she goes off to like pretty much hang out with her friends, and Thor goes to friggin' uh, Earth to throw a rager. And he brings his buddies and everything like that, and there's all this crazy crap, and then eventually Loki shows up as a frost giant with his frost giant friends, and they're... Which, that was fun. That was, that fun. was actually fun, and they were like, hey, you're my brother from another mother, and, and all this other stuff. I thought that was actually really funny. Uh, and he has a different, very different kind of relationship with Jane. Yes, he does. They're kind of they they kind of hook up, right? Yeah, no, they do. I mean, it's it's very different. But then Shield gets involved, and they're kind of like, all right, we got to stop this shit. And we find that Nick Fury kind of gets like knocked out. And by uh, Korg, right? That's his by name, Korg. Korg. Yeah, yeah, by Korg. Because it's not just like his friends. We see the Guardians are there. You know, members of the Guardians are are at this rager. We see all different types of alien races from the MCU scattered throughout. They're all there, like um, uh, Nakamura. Um, no, Nebula. Nebula. Nebula's there. She's having a grand old time. Korg is there. Meek is there. Everyone's just kind of there just raging, and they're raging in Vegas, too. And so they're just like, hey, you know, we're destroying shit. Like, And uh, this dude from uh, Ragnarok I thought was actually pretty damn funny. Oh, that that actually was funny, yes. The, the, the guy... So first, in, yeah. I forget his name, but the guy, the guy who brings Ragnarok down. Like, yeah, he to, goes to, puts his yeah. arm around the Statue of Liberty and he's like, you know, sign a sweet talker. And that was like that. funny. That was, I thought funny. that was really funny. Um, but yeah, and Captain Marvel is essentially, uh, you know, agent... Um, shit. Who's, who stepped in for... Um, oh, um... Colby Smothers. Oh, Maria Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill. She's acting director, and she picks up the beeper and calls Captain Marvel to like, listen, we need this is the this is the emergency, the Earth ending emergency now. Yeah, yeah. The Captain Marvel gets called in for, and Captain Marvel and Thor go at it, and it's a pretty crazy battle that goes all along the damn Earth. And I love that Thor is like party pooper. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was great, and that was like the most evil thing that he could say at that time. Which I thought was really funny, um, and I I think one of the funniest things in the episode was when he finds out that Frigga is coming because she gets word of it. That is fun, yeah. Guys, that is fun. My mother's coming. You don't me, understand. My yeah. mother's coming. Can you help me clean up the yeah. planet? Let me clean up Earth. I thought that was that was pretty damn funny. Um, so, yeah. what, what did you think of the episode? I here's the thing. I thought it was funny. I thought it was fun. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, and here's why. Uh, I again, this is a big thing, and this is going to come into play when we talk about Venom Two. I have one big rule: is that if you set up the logic in something I'm watching, you have to abide by it, right? And I get that. What if is tricky to set up logic, but yeah. I really need to know. And, and again, now I sound I sound like I'm I'm one of those guys like, oh well, this is so ridiculous. Again, I found this episode fun, whatever. But here are my issues with it. Why does Loki not being Thor's brother mean that Thanos isn't trying to collect the Infinity Stones? Because if Nebula is partying on planet Earth, that means she's not enslaved by her father Thanos forcing her to get Infinity Stones. So I don't understand how that changed. Why are the Guardians of the Galaxy there partying? How did Thor, being a party guy... Affect like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there no, are I, things, I understand. I get it. 
there are things about this episode where I feel they went, oh, this is a comedy episode. It's a fun episode. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. And I think when you're doing a multiverse what if episode, it kind of still has to. Like, if you look back at the what if T'Challa was Star-Lord, right? You might not agree that T'Challa could talk Thanos out of his quest. Mm -hmm. But the internal logic is that he has. So you have to go along with that because, but but it's then explained why that change has occurred. This does not explain why these changes have occurred. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if Thor was a threat because, you know, according to some people, no one actually died on his ragers when the like the planets were fine. So like this, I found this episode to kind of be confused in what it was trying to do. I think it was just trying to be fun and funny, yeah. and it is. But it's just again, I just had uh, problems with the internal logic. I can I, I have no arguments with any of that. I mean, I, I could definitely see where that goes, and I just had fun with it. I agree with you on all your points because they are all one hundred percent fact. I wondered at one point where were the rest of the Avengers or anything like that. Why did they try right. to stop him? Right. So whatever. Again, I let it go, and I was all right. We got a fun one for the time being because again, we know the fucked up stuff is coming. And boy, did we get it. Oh, boy, boy did, we. Did, we, did we get it again for today's episode. So we went from my least favorite episode of the series season to my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so the one that dropped earlier today, and we will put up the spoiler warning again, because it did drop today. So if you haven't seen today's What If, come back and check us out later, is simply What If Ultron won. Now, one thing I really liked about this is it was – a bit more along the tone and the lines of the comic of Age of Ultron. Yeah, I it was can see not that. like the movie at all. The movie just took the title because the title sounded cool and it kind of made some sense. But the if you read the comic version of Age of Ultron, it is very different. It is pretty much what if Ultron won and he had his, you know, Ultron bots and everything all over the planet and everything, and they're running shit and the heroes are like very few and far in between and everything. So that's the part where they're the same, but then after that, it's totally different because the Age of Ultron in the comics is a time travel thing with Hank Pym and Wolverine's involved and all this yeah. other stuff. Um, but I did like that. Um, we get Tony Stark dying again. Again. He's, I like actually, Kenny. He's like Kenny in South Park at this is. point in What If. My Every first, episode he dies. My first note was, cue Tony Stark's death. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sadly um, enough. But I, but we also get Thanos's death like that. Yes, like nothing like so. Ultron pretty much takes over, destroys everything, right? Everything. And he's sitting there, and Thanos comes out looking for the Mind Stone. And I didn't even think about that. Of course, Thanos is going to come for that Mind Stone, right? Mm -hmm. And Ultron just looks back and he goes, "Fascinating." And he uses a laser to cut this guy in two, and he takes the freaking Infinity Gems, and he becomes like a god. He becomes the Infinity Gauntlet, essentially. He does, yes, he does. In, like, Vision's body with Ultron's armor with the Infinity Stones in the chest, it yeah. looks really good. It looks really cool. I'm pretty sure Funko is going to do a pop of that. I yes. hope it's an exclusive, because I'll be all over that damn thing. Ah, yes. like, I have to. I will be too, and I'll be tell you. I'll tell you something. I'm going to put. A, uh, I'm going to pre-order uh, the Marvel Legends that I collect because they have a series with these characters oh, nice. from the What If, and the buildable figure is the Watcher, and I want the Watcher so badly. 
Yeah, well, speaking of the Watcher, by the way, so Ultron's whole thing, he gets that out of hand where he pretty much yeah. wipes out everything on every planet in this version, in this universe, that the Watcher is like, oh, shit. Yeah. And, and then and he becomes present of the Watcher's existence yes. and stares at him. And we've seen it happen before too, and 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 they then we'll get to it when we get to the end. But yeah. we saw it happen with the evil Doctor Strange, sort of yeah. get that powerful. But this is like he looks at the Watcher in the eye and says, "Oh, there are other universes. There's a multiverse." And then Ultron starts looking to get his way into the Watcher's realm. And you're right, the Watcher's scared. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He shuts the door. He's like, "No, no, no." Yeah, I'm not watching anymore. I mean, I got I got to start coming up with a plan to stop this dude because it's gone way past that now. Uh, but back on Earth, we do get Black Widow and Hawkeye, who is missing one arm and has like a robotic arm. Yep. They're on this quest to be like, all right, how the hell are we going to stop this guy? And they're in Russia, and they pretty much go through like KGB files, and they're going through literal boxes of the stuff that Ultron can't get to, which I thought was actually pretty smart yep. to make sure that they knew it wasn't online. And the Watchers there kind of like... Hoping that Hawkeye yeah. goes to this one box, the answer is right there. And it's like, Armin Zola, like, Armin Zola, like nudging him. And they find, they go back and they find Armin Zola. And they, it was a copy of him that was in Russia that Hydra had there. They download him and put him into one of the Ultron bots there in hopes to kind of like take this dude down. But they can't do it because he's off world. So essentially, yep. they can't, their plan can't fully succeed. Not even off-world, because they had taken that into consideration. Like, the drone bots. He's, like, he's out of the universe, which is something they could not possibly have, like, anticipated. Um, But, yeah, and and I don't... Did you notice this? In that scene where Hawkeye and Natasha are in the KGB headquarters and the Watcher's in the middle, the Watcher... Well, there are two things. One, she gets the Red Guardian shield, right? Which I think is what you were going for. That was great. I love it. Which I took me a second, but I got it. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. fantastic. But if you notice too, the Watcher is drawn in a different style of animation than the mm-hmm. rest of them. And I only noticed it when when you saw the Watcher behind uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Because I'm like, wow, they look so much different than him. And I'm like, wait, that must be purposeful because he is out of place. So I just want to give kudos cool. to this episode that... It was even visually giving us that cue. Yeah, I, I thought that was fantastic. Another thing I really liked a lot was there was that callback, what I felt was a callback to Endgame, because when when uh, Natasha, when Widow, Black Widow and Hawkeye are there, and then she needs to get away with Armin Zola, he sacrifices himself. Yep. He's the one who jumps off and takes an arrow to these Ultron bots, and it is very reminiscent of Natasha sacrificing herself in Endgame and, and Volmir, and I thought that was that was really, really cool. Yeah, same here. I thought that was just, it was awesome. Like, you're watching it, and you know exactly what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it's a nice death for Hawkeye, to be honest. I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's it very is. His family's gone at that point, too, so right. he's got, like, nothing. Because he says throughout the episode, there's nothing left to fight for, yeah. referring to pretty much his family and everything else is gone. So at this point, he's the one who's going to sacrifice it. I mean, is, are there any other human beings left on the planet besides them two? Because they were off-world when that the destruction yeah. happened. They literally might be the only two left. Exactly. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And Me then too. we get Ultron versus Watcher. Which is awesome. Throw, and, complete throwdown fight. Did you notice Galactus? Yes. Oh, my God. I was so yes. happy to see a yes. real Galactus chomping on a planet. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was really crazy. Okay. 
We got Galactus in like an MCU acknowledgement there. Oh, I love it. I love it. It it. wasn't a cloud. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't a space vagina, which is what what I used to say it looked like. (laughs) Uh, But at the end, Ultron essentially like wins and the Watcher has no choice but to go ahead and find someone else. And then we find out that Supreme Doctor Strange is there and they have a little conversation and there looks like we're going to have a team up. To try to because there's gonna be another part to this. This wasn't the no. end of this. There's another one. Which, yeah, this would be the first. Well, not really. Well, yeah, technically, this is the first one to acknowledge other episodes. Yes, in its absolutely. existence outside of just the Watcher character. Absolutely, because yeah, because the Watcher is the bridge, and I think I did read somewhere that they were starting to pull these together. So I'm curious. Yeah how that's going to play out. And I love the fact that they brought the watcher into it because I think the watcher is a fascinating character. They, there is comic precedent. The watcher has interfered. He has been brought in mm-hmm. to conflict before though. That son of a bitch was nowhere to be found in the infinity gauntlet quest. So anyone saying where was the watcher during infinity war? He was yeah. watching just like he was doing in the comic book. And by the way, there's also Ultron calls him out at one point and tells him that yes, he does. Well, he says something about him being creepy or some shit like that while while watching and just sitting back and everything like that. That I thought was actually really great too. Yeah, he says you could have been here, you could have come to the multiverse, and you decided to watch. That's creepy. Yeah, exactly. And how cool was the fight scene where every time he punched the Watcher, it changed the multiverse? Yes. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. so like you he, he punches him and then it's Wakanda, he punches him and then it's New York. Like and that was such a cool, like, and it was yeah. like one, two, three. It was such a cool scene. Yeah, that was that was really great. Um, you got anything else on this episode or no man? This was just a great episode. It looked great. I can't wait to see where it's going. It's like I'm I, I actually am very happy that we doubled up on what if because I really would have hated to have just talked about one I didn't like. And yeah. so I'm glad that we ended off with me talking about one that I absolutely love. Like when I think of what I read as a kid of what if this is what I think of, like it's like just intelligent and, and bringing in all this other stuff. And like, and again, the end of the world, the do I like the doom and gloom stuff for what if, because you're never going to get it in the regular stuff. 100% agree. So I'm curious to see, maybe the watcher puts together his own Avengers team. Well, Captain Carter, maybe black Panther, uh, Killmonger. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. I thought that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty awesome. Like, I really want to see how they're going to, you know, put this together. And hell, maybe even Thor, right? Maybe we're going to get Party Thor. Party Thor, screw it. And he's like, hey, listen, this is how I learned how to be a hero throughout all right. this. So that's that. Um, all right, we'll drop the spoiler warning quick because this one's been out for a little. Uh, let's talk about Titans. Uh, yeah, Titans. I will say, to tell you the truth, not my favorite episode. Of, of Titans for this season. It might be my least favorite episode. Not that it was a bad episode. I didn't... It's not like I didn't... I thought it was it was bad. I just thought the other episodes have been better because I think it just... It addressed where Raven has been. We got to see Themyscira finally. We got to see, you know, um, where Wonder Girl... You know, spoiler, whatever. Wonder Girl's back now. It was pretty much how we're getting her resurrection yeah. now. And we get some cool, some more of Hank. Who, because they pretty much go to an after, like a, I don't know what you want to call it, between afterlife. Yeah, it's kind of like a limbo. It's like he they, they wake up on a train, and yeah. the train is taking them to their final destination. They don't they don't tell you what that means, but yeah. if you get off the train, you're free game, you're, you're fair game, and so like you, you get hunted by like 
you know, other goblins or whatever they are, whatever shit they are, like they're trying to steal your souls. What the hell? Yeah, what did they call them? Um, I forget what they were, and I didn't write it yeah. down. Yeah, Tim Drake pretty much wakes up on the train because we see illusion after he got shot in a previous episode. He wakes up on his train. He runs into Donna Troy on the train, who's also dead. And then they pretty much run into Hank, who was there, and he's running a car, which, by the way, um, Living, on a prayer, Living on a Prayer was uh, almost going to be our oh, opening song tonight, but nice. then, then, um, yeah, then yeah. I couldn't get that out of my head. So. I was going to say that this kind of reminded me of Loki, where like yes. they're in an afterlife, and some some guy who you haven't seen in a couple episodes who was sent there shows up in a car randomly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's a pretty good analogy. Which actually. I'm not, you know, I'm not against it. I'm sure they didn't rip it off. They made these things at the same time, no. and yeah, yeah. and I I like Hank. So like, here's my here's my my synopsis of this. Every season I've watched this, there is one episode where they give you a cliffhanger, right? In the second season, it was Jason Todd being dropped from the the top of the skyscraper by Death uh, Deathstroke, right? <clears throat> and then you go into the next episode, and you go, yeah, I can't wait to see where this cliffhanger goes. And then they give you a completely different story that it, at, by the end will eventually tie yes. in, yes. right? They do tie it, in. And in in the second season, it was how we get Superboy and and Super Superdog, right? Mm-hmm. And in the overall, yeah, that's great, that's cool. Except in the moment when I'm watching, I'm like, "Fuck you! I want to know what happens to Jason Todd. Don't show me this shit, right?" And so that's how I feel about this. Like the last episode, we we've been we've been on a high. There's been there's been lots of scarecrowing. There's been lots of red hooding. There's been you know, that. and there's none of that here. And I get it. You know, we have other we have other people that we have to deal with that we have to mm-hmm. sort of bring back into the fold. But this is that episode where we ended where the scarecrow poisoned the water supply of Gotham and put the freaking fear toxin in. And then it's like, yeah, we, you got to wait two weeks to address that. And it's like, oh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it's back tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's back tomorrow. We don't know. But yeah. but that's my problem with this episode. It's just. I get what it's doing. It's not a bad episode. It's no. a necessary episode. It's just not what I wanted in the episode. Exactly. I mean, it, it, again, the fact that they addressed Raven, we got Donna Troy, we got right. that whole thing. Because this is the first time we've seen them. They, we didn't see them at all the first eight episodes. No, we didn't. So you so knew they were coming sooner or later. Right. And that's why I say it's an important episode. It's a necessary episode. And we see a very, very different Thermoscara than we do in... The DCU movies oh. or anything like that. Extremely different. Agreed, yeah. Agreed. It's way more traditional and way yeah. more, like, you know, less warrior, I think, right? Yeah, they were kind of just more, like, scientific in a way, if you want to say. Yeah, or, like, something yeah. Something like that. Uh, which is fine. I mean, it, you don't, you know, you should change it up a little bit. You don't have to make everything carbon copies of it. Uh, but that's... Honestly, though, that's essentially the episode. There's not really too much deep that's, diving that, to do into this. There one. are two things I want to talk about. Uh... I think Hawk has the best line of the episode when he's trying to explain to Donna what happened to Jason. And he's like, he started dressing like Deathstroke meets the Gimp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great line. (laughs) That is true. I forgot about that for a minute. Uh, We get Hawk a very nice, because I'm guessing we're not going to see Hawk again after this. I think he's done. I'm pretty sure they they confirmed that. Yeah. But they give him a very nice ending where he meets, like, if you guys remember, whoever's listening remembers the first season we find out about Hawk, like, he got into this because of his friend Donnie, and his friend Donnie winds up getting killed in a terrible accident 
That's how he meets Dawn because her mother gets killed in that same terrible accident. And so he meets Donnie who's been living in this afterlife kind of, you know, upholding the mission. And so he gets to go and uphold the mission with Donnie. And I think that's a really nice goodbye for Hawk. Yeah. Um, Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. If he doesn't come back, I'm okay. They've given me what I need from him. And, and I like that character. So it's not like I'm like, he should be gone. No, I like Hawk a lot. Yeah. But if that's how he goes out, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but this is the big thing, and this is this is the thing I wanted to discuss with you. Uh, Bruce Wayne was trying to kill himself. Yes, and I apologize because I I didn't take a notes on this one. I did watch it like when it dropped last Thursday. No, that's cool. I, got, I I I've been taking notes when I can, so I got yeah. Notes on um, this. yeah. So yeah, we get Bruce Wayne was pretty much going to off himself in the beginning of the episode. It looks like he's signing off everything, like kind of like a, a living will. Yeah, well, there was a last will and testament. That, that yeah. That's literally what it says. And Donna Troy saves him from it because at the end of the episode, when she's back to life, she saves him right. from blowing, up, from blowing himself up. Killing himself, yeah. Now, I got to admit, I don't I don't like that. I'm, I'm just hoping that I'm going to hold off my judgment on it because, yes, I agree. I don't like that. I don't think that's a Bruce Wayne thing to do at all. Um, but I would want to see what they follow up with because I'm sure we're going to get more of an explanation yeah. for this, and hopefully we get it in tomorrow's episode. Um, and yeah. we see that there's more to it. And, and look, there there are ways to make this work. You know what I'm saying? So I like I if if they do something like okay, that makes sense. I'm fine with it. But yeah. just as it stood, like I just because again, like Bruce Wayne in this season is. Is doing things that I don't see Bruce Wayne would have done. I get it's not the traditional Bruce Wayne; it's an older one. It's it's more of a darker, more realistic version. So, but but suicide for this character is something yeah. I just don't ever see. Because if he didn't kill himself after lo- watching his family die like rats in front of him in a freaking alley, mm-hmm. like if that doesn't drive you to suicide. I don't think anything will because he's just, and it's not even like, oh, he's so great or anything. It's just like, no, like he's got so many like defense mechanisms, like for survival, he's not going to kill himself. That, that's just my thing. Yeah. Out of character. That's my thought. So, all right. So we'll see where that goes, but now it, it is, it is that time. <sighs> is it? It is that time for two things. One, to flip the title to our movie of the week. And it is also time to bring in the third co-host. Yes! Yes! Tony is here just in time for Venom. Yes! Hi, boys. What's Tony. going on, man? <laughs> Tony, I gotta say that I now understand how you felt all those episodes ago when we watched Suicide Squad. And I went, no, this is really fun. And you went, Are you out of your fucking mind? I get it now. <laughs> I told you karma's a bitch, bro. You did. And, <laughs> and, and look, and I, I fully accept that I deserve it. I own it. It's good. It's um, good. It's a beautiful thing. So, uh, listen, let's talk about it because we're next week. Spoilers. Next week, our show is going to be the movie we're doing is Venom Let There Be Carnage, which drops tomorrow. Uh, Tony, you're seeing it tomorrow also, right? I'm seeing yes. it at 4 o'clock. You're seeing yep, it tomorrow I, night. I'm uh, see it tomorrow at 10 in IMAX. Okay. And Jason... Oh. I'll find we'll a way in, to see it. We'll we'll be in touch because you'll know my level of it without spoiling it right away. If I'm like, hey, Jason, you want to go see it in IMAX? <laughs> true. That's right. If you don't reach out to ask me to see it, I know I've just got to go see it quietly, 
yes. by myself and just suck it up. <laughs> and I will see, and I and I admit I will see it one more time before our show next week because I I always like to see it twice just to make sure I got my brain wrapped around it. Uh, but that would mean that I use my Regal Unlimited to not pay for it again, which is so, fair. That's which fair. is very fair because I had to pay for this fucking thing because I didn't own it. <laughs> Because I couldn't find it. FX has been running this movie for like three years straight. Yes, three years because it's like since it came out. But of course they take it off like a week or two ago. And I don't want to watch it with commercials. Because that just prolongs the agony. And then I'm like, just whatever. I'm just going to watch it. And that's it. I can't I watch say it this why. Afternoon. I can't say why. But I'm going to thank my brother-in-law, Jonathan, who often watches our show. John, thank you very much. I'll exp- You know why I'm thanking you. But I can't say it here. <laughs> you are a lucky motherfucker because I had to pay ten dollars for this. Yeah, I did not. I, I did can't not. return it. I can't return it at all. Um, <laughs> so own it now. <laughs> no, I, I I'm hoping to never ever watch it again. Um, so all right, all right well, well listen, let's well, get into I'm this. About it. I if you watch the show, you guys already know I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. He's my favorite hero. Batman's my second. But Spider-Man's been my guy since I've been a kid. Still is to this day. Um, and I think that's the reason why a lot of times over the years, Tony thinks that I... he That's the first thing that he thinks I, I kind of rejected this movie. Because when I did see the trailer, I, I looked at it, I'm like, what is this? And my It was the same thing with Joker. That's kind of what I wanted to make this comparison, mm-hmm. right? Because Venom was coming out. All right, we're going to take a villain, a movie about a villain, who's and not have his arch nemesis here. We're not going to acknowledge them at all. And we're going to make a movie solely around this. So going into both of the films, I, I'm i telling you right now, I fully accepted that that wasn't it. And I was like, all right, let me go in with a fresh slate. There's no Spider-Man. It's just about Venom. And that's it. And let's see how they handle this. And I'm re-watching it again today. And I'm like, okay, I can see where some of the inspiration is. Heavily inspired by the Venom Lethal Protector storyline where Eddie goes off and leaves New York and kind of has a truce with Spidey mm-hmm. and was like, all right, you know, we're not going to, you know, I'm going to be a good dude now, whatever, because they do team up over time. And Marvel has been hell bent on making him an anti-hero from a villain who eats people's heads and brains for a while. We'll <laughs> forget about all of that. Right. And uh, we'll just let bygones be bygones. And, and to be honest, uh, he's awesome in Maximum Carnage, right? No, no, no. I like the Venom you know? character. He is a weird character and everything like that. But I just think that, I just, I just think the movie is dumb, and a lot. It's, it's just a dumb movie. It gets really, really weird at times, and I, and Tony's nodding his head, so he's like, "All right, I can, I can see that. I, I can deny that it gets weird." I honestly think though, before we pass it around, quick, I think they should have given you the movie that the trailers were selling. You should, if you were going to take like a horror movie type angle, but yet you were determined to make this guy an antihero. They don't really do that. I don't think that's the movie we got. We got some really bizarre shit. And I just think it's not well written. I don't think it's well acted at times. I, I just, I, I don't know. Venom looks cool. I think the symbiote, the sy- and that's another thing. Can anybody in this fucking movie say symbiote? <laughs> Why do you with the symbiote shit? I know I read it on a page, and I get it. That doesn't tell you pronunciation right away. But what is with the symbiote shit? I just, that, like, I like, want to pound my head into the desk. I even paused it and was like, Angie, can, can please say the word? Oh, symbiote. Okay, thank you. I'm going to rewatch, start to continue the movie now. Um, 
I and I and I'll say something too that they I'm glad they didn't put the giant white tarantula on him because it would have made no sense. He only has that because he was linked to Peter Parker previously. That's the only so I thought it was smart that they was all right, we'll put white veiny things around him and you kind of get the concept. Um Tony, go ahead because I think we've got enough bashing. Let, let's get to some more positive and then I am dying to see what Jason has to say with like, <laughs> before we get into details. All right, so this is this is my thought. Okay, I am by no means saying that this is a solid film. Okay, <laughs> nowhere will you ever hear me say that. Okay, <laughs> this movie has serious problems. Okay, what I like about this movie and what I find so much fun about it is the relationship that Eddie and Venom have. Which really, if you think about it, other than Peter and other than the Spider-Man, you know, um, uh, connection there, right? The character is all about Eddie and Venom and and the and the um, the relationship that the two of them share. Okay, and I think that Tom Hardy pulls it off extremely well. I feel like, especially the fact when he's you know first realizing what's going on and you know their their first couple of interactions and everything. Um, it's, it's like, it's almost like they went from a horror movie, like you said in the beginning, like when they, when he, he was at the life foundation and, and he's fine, you know, when he sees Maria in the, and, you know, locked in the thing and, you know, all they, she's killing these people off left and right. Um, so they did seem to want to go down that road. And then at some point it becomes an action movie, which is that next whole scene where they enter the apartment, which I actually think that scene is awesome. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I want to say that too. That's yeah. a cool scene. There's some cool agree. action in this movie. There There's is some really, cool action. The, the, the scene, I mean, I, I, in my opinion, the three best scenes happen within 20 minutes of each other. And that's the scene in the apartment, the scene on the motorcycle and the scene with the cops in, in the, in the lobby of the building. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Agreed. Agree. Those are great action scenes. Yep. I'm watching this movie and I'm saying if, if we get the rest of this film after these three scenes, this is a fucking awesome movie. And it doesn't really deliver on that yeah. going down, you know, continuing to go down the road there. Like, you know, look, I I think that I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that the 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 some of the dialogue is absolutely atrocious. I have um, I can't wait to get to them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are some there are some really horrible horrible lazy lines written in this film, and then there is some hysterical banter between the two of them. I mean, in all seriousness, right? When they're you know like when they're going back and forth, you know, like you, you know, it's, 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 it's comical. It really is at points. And then you get the, I know which one you're going to say. I'm not even going to allow, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to allow you to do it because I know you hate this line so much. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you, <laughs> you, you, you handle that. You know, that's, that's your whole thing. But um, I appreciate I, it. Th those, those three scenes that I just described are far and away the best in the in, in the movie itself i thought that venom looked awesome yes. okay i really do i think that they did a phenomenal job of the look of him i love the fact that um that tom hardy is the voice of Bo, uh, you know of, of of venom which is mm -hmm. which i think is just just appropriate um didn't know that yeah and just you know and it, it just though visually it was really really well done um I, I liked I liked you know some of the action scenes. I liked some of the dialogue. I like you know the the whole thing with 
because he had a problem with the heights and he's in the building and he tells him to jump. The next thing he do is going in the elevator. He's calling him a pussy. Like that shit is great. Like, that's another one of my quotes, though. That is one of my quotes too. But I do I don't like the line, but I do like the whole thing of like, well, you'll be fine. Jump. And then you yeah. smash cut to the elevator. I thought that was funny. It didn't even need the pussy line. It's just a, a smash cut point. to the elevator, like, under- yeah. I know, but I just I thought it was just it was just appropriate, you know, like and you know, so I, I, I liked the dynamic between the two. I felt that they 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 put it they had a good jumping off start to something else, right? Even if this movie was not very good in you know in and itself, and that I was interested to see what was going to happen with Venom and Eddie going forward. Um, so that's what I that's what I enjoy about it. Um, the story and the writing uh, in this movie is is terrible. It I mean it, it's it really is. It's terrible. It's one of these movies that you can watch. I can watch and just be like, okay, this is really cool. And then you get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm lost. I'm done. <laughs> I can just, just turn it off from here. And, and, and that's the end of it. You know, like I can just, I can just turn it off at this point and, I, and I'm done. But I, 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 I like, there are things that I really like about it and there's things that I really dislike about it, but it's a movie that I can, I can watch and, and, and laugh and enjoy the action, you know, for at least 30 or 40 minutes and then turn it off. Jason. Yeah. This is your first time watching this movie. All right, it's my first time watching got- it. So first, first off, I need to say that I, I, I had some implicit biases in this movie, and I have to just sort of wear those out so we can be clear about where I am in this movie. So I hated this movie before I saw it. <laughs> I wanted to hate this movie before. I was I saw accused it. of that too. And no, but but I'm I'm being honest. I did, and here's why. Here's why, because I knew. No matter what happened in this movie, it wasn't going to make up for the fact that this movie is the reason I'm never going to get a Venom in the MCU. All right? Which means I'm never going to get a real Venom because the Venom in the Tobey Maguire movie sucked too. Right? I actually think this Venom is better than fucking Tobey Venom. And we'll, we'll, I I do want to talk about which Eddie. I don't think there's any question. I agree with you 100%. Agree. I do want to talk about which Eddie Brock is the biggest loser. We'll get to that <laughs> uh, because they're both pretty much big losers. But my point is, is that I th- I hated this movie before I saw it because of what I wanted to see in the MCU that I never would. So I shed that last night when I watched it. I texted you guys about halfway through saying, you know what? This movie's fine. I don't I don't hate this movie. And at the end of this movie, I still don't hate this movie. I think. It's fine. It is a lot of problems. I, I have a lot of, again, my thing is you set up internal issue. You set up an internal logic to your universe, and then you have to abide by it. And I don't think this movie does, right? So just for instance, in the first five seconds of the movie, we have five or four symbiotes that have been taken off, off world. And I would have liked to have seen more of how they got that, but you know what? I'm not directing the movie. I'm not going to say what I want to see. But we then get one symbiote uh, uh, gets away and the other three are incarcerated. But you find out, no, they were all sent here as uh, to scout so they can take over the planet, which means Venom was sent here specifically in for this point. Can anyone explain to me why Venom just decides to fight against his own people to save the planet Earth? 
Eddie? I can tell you right. I can say right please, now because please. I thank thank you. I'll, I'll I'll jump in here right now because on his planet, he's a loser. Yeah. And Eddie, he's a loser. And I like you. And I like this place. Yeah, that's it. It, that's it. That's it. That's, that's my point. Like, that's, that's here's all. the thing: if I become the symbiote of a really cool person, and and Eddie Brock is not that. Eddie Brock's a fucking loser in this movie. Yes, as Venom tells him. But if I become a symbiote of the coolest person in another world, I'm still not going to sell my own people out. I'm still going to go. You know what? Let's destroy my home planet. Like that just. I'm not saying that he wouldn't make that decision. I'm saying the decision wasn't earned. And there are a lot of things in the back end of this movie because I did enjoy a lot of the first end of this movie. And Tony, to your point, those three action scenes you talk about are in the first end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like right. it was after the, it was after he, like him when he first gets Venom and they're doing that motorcycle thing. That's when I texted you guys like, no, I think I'm kind of, this is not that bad. But right. when it gets into like w- why things happen, like the lazy run, when the lazy writing starts, that's, that's when it, it goes downhill. That's yep. it, and and I think it's it's such lazy writing. Like, so you get this cool setup of whatever the other symbiote was who like escapes, who literally lands on Malaysia and says, "Fuck you, I'm gonna walk to the United States and figure out what this <laughs> life thing is that took me from my planet." That's an awesome setup. And you come back to him sometimes, and he's possessing different people. But what's the payout? Oh, you brought me here? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be your symbiote. We, we can be joined together. It's like, but why? You should hate this guy. So you do I, – I got to get to it. I'm sorry. Since you brought it up, I, I have to get to it because it's one of my WTF moments of, of this entire film. So the symbiote – or should I say how they say it in the movie? But I'll just say it regularly. Symbiote goes ahead and merges by the time tops around a little bit, gets to the older Asian woman that's there in, in, in there. Then they skip to six months later. And then we cut back to her again. They've been living together and walking for six months. Yeah. I, I, to, I, to the I airport. To the airport. Right. No, no. They yeah. get on a plane to fly to the United States. Okay? They do that. Had the symbiote for six months, but meanwhile, all these other hosts are going with these symbiotes and rejecting them immediately and killing them because that was the whole purpose yeah. of why Eddie Brock has beef with um, shit. Sorry, name come to me, come to me, name Carlton Drake. Uh, Carlton Drake, thank Drake. you. Yeah. Um, so that's why he has the whole problem with him. But this six months, no problem. Everything's well, fine. Also, why, why really? does it bond with Eddie? It never explains. Outside of that line of, we're both losers, so I'll stay here. There's no real explanation of why it says Eddie is a good host. And again, I think we need that. Uh, No, I think what they, they, because they they actually, in in one of the the, the more cohesive parts of the whole thing is that when they they were in the lab, they actually explained that there's no way for them to know which host is going to bond with which symbiote right. so like but, they, but they, think, they basically say that like you know they just they just don't know it just it just happens and I, I and and that's fine but i think as an audience member i need to understand once once venom says eddie you're my guy i need to understand why like i get that they don't know it but 
if you're telling me the whole thing about this is finding the right symbiote for the right host, and oh, by the way, the villain also gets a symbiote because he's the villain, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Mm. But like, if you tell me if Venom takes gets to Eddie and goes, even just a throwaway line like, "Oh, I can't control you a hundred percent," this is interesting. Yeah. Something. Just something like to make it look like why is this a viable thing? But they don't explain it. They give you nothing. Well, I'm hoping. I'm. I'm I, look. I. I. The way I took it by watching it is that the. Um, the I. That Venom knows. That Venom knew that Eddie was going to be a match. Okay, like that. He figured it out. He. You know, and it. It, it seems to me that. Um. That. The symbiotes know who who they're going to be a compatible host and who aren't right so but, that's what it, that's the way i took it i'm not saying that it says yeah. anywhere. i'm saying it definitely should explain no, that I'm, I'm hoping that tomorrow night we're going to get a little bit of a window into that i'm hoping that they'll go back and say okay we don't fuck this up in the first movie let's right. see if we can write the ship in that's the second fair. one so i'm hoping that we'll get a little bit of that tomorrow but yes i agree with you 100 percent. they don't say it they kind of imply it but I would really have liked to them yeah. to say, look, look, sometimes, you know, the MCU without doing it will hit you over the head with the sledgehammer to kind of say, this is why we did it. And then everyone is like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And it just hits sometimes, you know, like, you, you know, and you could tell the, the movies that are written by Marvel and the ones that aren't and need that further explanation. So I, I don't think that they did. I, I agree with you that it definitely should have been in there. And I'm hoping that that's something that they're going to write, you know, with, with this, you know, with the next one. I, I also hope that. And and to be honest, I'm actually more excited to see this new one than I was to see this one for one reason. Carnage. I mean, no, I mean, Woody Harrelson. I love oh, well. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And I think, I and again, I didn't realize not to jump ahead, but we are jumping around, right? So, like, the post-credit scene. The yeah. post-credit scene with, I didn't realize that he was in that post-credit mm -hmm. scene. They set up Carnage yeah. right away. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, Oh, Woody knows what movies he what, what movie he's in. Like, yeah. and so I'm hoping that Woody knows what movie he's in, and that really brings the enjoyment for this new one because no one knows what movie they're in in this, in my opinion. Like Tom Hardy, right. Tom Hardy's in a different fucking movie than everyone else. Tom Hardy's in like a fucking slapstick comedy where it's like, oh, oh I'm a loser. You know, like he, <laughs> he's playing it so comedically in such a weird way. Like, I didn't get it. But then everyone else is fucking stone cold serious. And so I'm hoping like if Woody Harrelson's also playing like a wacky thing against Tom Hardy's wackiness, I hope that kind of like, you know, works. But I just again, I don't think his performance works in this. It's, I, I agree it's in a different movie than the rest of it. That's yeah, exactly no, it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that, that kind of goes with the writing, though, because I feel like they don't you got three different kinds of movies. You got the, you know, you got that horror aspect in the beginning. You got the action hero flick in the middle. And then you got the comedy, which is just kind of, you know, dropped in here and there. Some of it hits and some of it is terrible. So, right. you know, like I, I just, I, I, I'm hoping with Andy Serkis doing, um, doing Let There Be Carnage, I'm really hoping that this is more of a, you know, smooth kind of, uh, you know, more cohesive storyline. You know, we get a better movie overall than this. Then you just get parts. You know, right. I for me, the, the good parts for me outweighed the bad. And, you know, and just and that's why I can watch it and have fun with it. But, I, you know, and I and I and when, I, when I saw it, I told you, I said I didn't hate it. 
You know, I thought some yeah. of it was really, really fun. And then there are parts of it where you're just scratching your head. You're like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Like, really? Like, like, what are you, like, you know, like all of a sudden, like Carlton Drake, who is, you know, who they're, they're trying to say is one of the smartest men on the planet, mm -hmm. right? Just decides, he's watching, you know, these, you know, he's watching these, these people just croak within a few oh, minutes yeah. of taking this thing. And he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to do it. He did it. I can do it. Like, come on. That shit would never, it, ever, it, ever happen. And it, it, you're right. And again, the, the that one symbiote literally walking across the country over a year yeah, that's that whole, just to that's go now i'll give you power the person who brought me here for no reason like, like it just didn't there there are just so many things that happened that didn't make sense now i agree with you there's a lot of fun stuff in this movie like i do think the action is fun i thought i was gonna hate venom i really did i thought i was gonna hate venom i didn't he's fine mm -hmm. it's it's not exactly the venom i'm used to but he wasn't it's like definitely I definitely the best one we've gotten so far. That's because I, I agree. It's way better than than the the one from Spider Man Three. So like, you know, I I didn't love him calling Eddie Brock a pussy, but I think that's part of what this movie. My problem with this movie is it has some good stuff, but it feels the need to hit you over the head with it, right? Like I think they were trying too hard on some. Yes, mm -hmm. like you know that. Eddie Brock going, I'm taking the elevator. He doesn't trust Venom. And Venom doesn't need to say you're a pussy. We get it. Mm -hmm. That we get the joke, right? Exactly. Uh, there's also another thing, like Drake, who I think actually is a pretty decent villain. Uh, you know, yeah, Riz, Riz, uh, Riz Ahmad is, is is actually very he's very credible as a you know, as as a villain in this. So I, 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 I agree. I agree. I think it's a good performance. I think it's a good villain. I think there are parts of it that are written well. But just to give you a sense of like how overwritten I think it, it can be, like so Drake gives a speech to one of the homeless guys whose name is Isaac, right? And he starts to talk about like, well, you know, Isaac was the name of Abraham's son and Abraham mm -hmm. had to make the sacrifice, but I really think it was Isaac's sacrifice. I think that dialogue was cool. And yep. if he just went, I really think it's Isaac's sacrifice and opened that up and then the, the, symbiote, came, the symbiote came out, then that would have been cool. But he then goes on for another five minutes about yeah, it's, it's, yep. God turned his back on him, and I will never turn my back on you because I'm God. Look at me. I'm God. Pretty it's, much, yeah. It, it, it's just too – like, if it pulled back a bit, I think this could have been a better movie. It cheapened it. It cheapened it. It, you know, it, they, it, it does that. It, it does that in, in, in spades in different parts. You know, like, there are, you know, there are, there are scenes that were fine, and then you just – you had to go that one extra step. Like, you know, like – you know, like, oh, for example, okay, for, you know, for example, he comes out of the apartment building, right? And then, and Venom is still talking to him. He has no idea where the voices are, right? And he looks in the car and then he sees Venom's image in the, in the window. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Now right. you tell, you tell him, get on a goddamn bike. Instead, no, you got to slap him up against the wall. You got to like, I'm sorry. Yes. I called your Like that was fucking stupid because yeah. I know that they, they were shooting to, you know, they were shooting for that joke later on down the road about the parasite, you know, when they would, you know, at the end of the movie, like, right. it was no need for that. Like, just, just cut no it right either. there. Move yeah. on. You know, parasite never, joke happens like four times. Yeah. Right. And so it's this, never funny. It never works. No, it just has to, it, it should have just been, you saw the image like, fuck, that's cool. Get on a bike. That's it. Agreed. But no, Agreed. you gotta have another, you know, 45 second to a minute of them. You know, like he doesn't know what, yeah, you know, it's, it was just, 
there are there are scenes throughout this movie that you can you could just you say like that was unnecessary that was unnecessary that was unnecessary like you know it's just uh, there's the frustrating you know aspects yes. of the film and then and, you know again and you you can go through and you could pick out every little thing that you like but and we've talked about this on the show a million different times right when you have a good solid movie you can mm-hmm. overlook that bullshit. Yes, you can overlook exactly. the little things where like, oh, well, she was walking for six months or she had the thing symbiote for six months and everything was fine. You would overlook that. If this was a this was this was a gold star movie, you'd be like, Yeah, I kinda had a problem with that, but you know, everything else was so great. Yeah, I would just right. Yeah, but, but it stands out when yeah, when it's not good. Yeah. Right. Because when you start, yeah, when you start going through a film and you got three, four, five, six things where you're like, that's fucking ridiculous, then you start to say, you know, and then you know, now you start nitpicking. So yeah, and that's that was just that's a very correctable thing that they just decided not to correct, and and that's the reason why people have a problem with this film. So Riot goes ahead and takes a plane ride from Malaysia with a little girl. Doesn't kill her during this entire time either. But doesn't kill anybody on the plane either. Doesn't kill anyone on the plane. That's fine. So that's another but, WTF moment. You know, no, 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 no. In all fairness, they had good movies on the plane. Riot had never seen a movie before. He was like, yes. "Oh, I'm going to kill everyone." Oh, Citizen Kane. You know, I, I, you gotta gotta give it to him there. You know, maybe it's just American then, Airlines. They treat you and well. When she lands at San Francisco Airport, she looks damn good. Yeah, considering that, the, considering that the other two look like they were walking. Everyone else, yeah, yeah everyone else looks like they're from The Walking Dead out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. That is that weird. Her, her hair is fucking still done. She's got the bowl. Our dress is still prim. Give me a break. So, so another uh, one of the things I want to talk about, like you guys were saying, is. So one of the cool points I thought of the movie was when they put Eddie and Venom into the MRI machine. He, yes. that, that gets him separated. Yeah. Yes. Which, which to me was a kind of a cool callback yes. to the comics where Reed Richards helps Peter get the symbiote off of him. Right. Due to sound and everything like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. And the, the church bells too, that. right? That's also church, comics accurate. The church bells, right? Church bells is, is, is another time. The first time it's with Reed Richards. Okay, okay. So... He helps him get it off. That's why there's that whole thing where Peter has like the paper bag over his head and he has a Fantastic Four costume because he had no clothes at the time. That's right. Yes. That's that's what that is. (laughs) I forgot about that. I have the pop of that too. That's awesome. I I unlocked that guy in that suit in the Spider Man game for the PS4. It's great. It's Bag Man. So they get that, which I think is cool. Then right after that, when Eddie decides that, you know, he finds out that the symbiote, that Venom is essentially like killing him. The, it, uh, it goes and finds a dog, pretty much like a, a, a little dog as a host. That dog goes ahead, passes it on to to his girlfriend, and she goes ahead and finds, eventually runs into Eddie in the woods, and then we get the Venom kissing, which I thought was completely absurd. I just... Why? 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 I have to admit, the moment that this movie lost me was right after they separated Venom from Eddie Brock. Because with you, I was with you. It was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then you have it like going crazy in there. Like, oh, that's really cool. But then like, yeah, then it gets the, Michelle Williams. That's Michelle Williams, right? From yes. Dawson's Creek, who yep. didn't even recognize her. Like, she looks so different in this movie. In this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, She's married but, to Heath Ledger. Oh, she was? Yeah, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I forget about that. Uh so 
you know, I, I it gets out and they get and as you said, you have that weird kiss and it gets back into him. But that's the moment where it just goes like, no, again, the last time they were together, Eddie Brock went, "Fuck you, Venom, get this thing out of me, trap, and I'm leaving." Yeah. And now it's coming back, going, "We're both losers." That's when it says to him, "We're yeah. both losers. I'll help you save. We're gonna go fight my people. We're gonna stop them." And it's like, what happened? Nothing. What happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. And I think that like, they give you that moment. And it, it's the thing is, like, that moment was the coolest moment in the, in the movie, in my opinion, when they separate them and you see it flipping out inside. Yeah. And then it all goes to shit from there. And it's like, I just, again, this movie, ha- I, I agree with you, Tony. This movie had potential, right? Mm-hmm. This movie yeah. wasn't the piece of shit I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be irredeemable. I wanted it to be irredeemable because mm-hmm. I want freaking Venom in the MCU. It wasn't. This could have been something good and fun, but it was just so mismanaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have plenty. You have holes. You have you have holes in the story. You have you know, which we talked about lazy writing. There's there's a lot of different things that they could have done differently that would make this movie. Uh, look, I mean, you knew you were getting a second one because you know it, it made eight hundred million dollars the first one. No, you right. Know, and- so- and here's the thing: the second one might be good because look, we got Woody Harrelson in the second one. Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson knows how to be an director. actor in these movies. Yeah, and you got a good director. You know, you know, you got a, at least somebody who knows what the hell he's talking about. You know, in, in Andy Serkis. So, I mean, you do have something. You know, you have a you have a foundation. And if they could take the things that worked in the first one and then improve upon the things that sucked in the first one through the second one, then we might end up with a decent story. Now, I again, I, I, I get, Eddie, I get your point with, you know, you know, the lacking of, you know, the whole Spider-Man connection, but I, I really find, I really think that Sony is going to find a way to tie that in. You know, at the, at the time when they were developing this movie, they didn't have the ability to tie it, right? And I think that now their working relationship with Marvel is going to allow them to do so. And you know, I think that eventually they're going to end up, you know, and obviously they're not going to do it the way that it was supposed to be done. But I think that they're going to that connection is going to eventually show up there. So, so well, I was going to get to more of the logic holes in this movie, but you, you, you touched on this right now. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, I, I agree that there are probably going to see a Spider-Man and, and Venom movie. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to meet up with Tom Hardy's Venom at some point. It's going to happen. I would not be surprised if we find that tomorrow. But my huge issue is going to be, once you get that, that part of the whole reason that Venom and Spider-Man work as well as they do as in the comics, as being, you know, arch nemesis. And by the way, I still don't put Venom at the top of the list of Spidey's, like Green Goblin and Doc Ock are are ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I'm I'm ranking them for sure. I'm with you. Venom works as an awesome villain for Spider-Man because of the relationship with the symbiote and Peter. Because they were together for years and Venom knows everything about him. Knows about MJ. Knows about fucking Aunt May. Knows about everything. Mimics his powers because he goes ahead and has the webs and crawls up walls and does Mm -hmm. all of that shit. And despises and hates Peter Parker with a passion. And you're not getting any of that. That doesn't exist because none of it happened. Right. Yeah, and that's right. that is that's the thing in the comic. That's why Eddie Brock and Venom are a perfect match because they, they both, both yeah they both have personal vendettas against Peter Parker, and they come together 
and that fuels it. So, but like, and that's why I'm saying, like, well, why did these two hit it off? Because they're both losers. Yes. You know what? That's I could it. be a loser, and I know lots of losers, and I fucking hate them because losers don't like other losers. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, but like, realistically, realistically speaking, it just it isn't it isn't a, a hook. Where, but as you said, like the Spider-Man thing is a hook, and I think that's that's the biggest problem. That's why I can see a Joker movie without Batman. But I'm I find it hard to accept a Venom movie without Spider-Man because, yeah, they're, they're tied together. They're, they're tied, very, together, very like, tied together, like literally tied together. Like they were literally like sharing the same entity. Yes. Right, and the other part for years of it, for and years. The other, right, and the other part of it that you, that you can't, you know, that that they can't go back and well, they can, I guess. I mean, they can do anything they want at this point. But the one thing that they can't go back and change is that, you know, you heard her say when they were at the dinner in the beginning of the movie that he got run out of New York. Yeah, okay. they they said so, no, they sprinkled some stuff in there. Right, but the point is, is that this movie, dependent upon where it is on the timeline, Peter's still in high school. He doesn't even work for the for the newspaper at that point. So there's no, there's not going to be any connection. Also, between Brock, the two of them, what was that? Brock didn't work for the Daily Bugle. He worked for the Daily Globe. I I noted that in the movie. Yes. They don't Ooh. mention so so they don't even tie it into. It's not even like they're saying he worked for the Bugle and they're giving it an open end for there to be Spider-Man, they've created something so different that it's the daily globe. Right. So, so, right. So what I'm saying, like, that's exactly what I'm saying is like, they can't even tie them together from like, say you wanted to set that story up. Like, you know, that he got run out of New York and Peter was part of the problem. And, you know, and that's why he does That's why he can't stand him or whatever the case is. You know, if you would, and I, originally when I heard them say that I'm saying, okay, well maybe they're, they're setting this up for something to happen down the line. But the timeline is all off because their timeline doesn't match Marvel's at all. It's, so there's going to be no yeah. connection there from New York. And now wow. he's living in San Francisco. My, my guess is that we're going to get some sort of like Tom Holland Spider-Man is going to end up facing, you know, meeting him in some sort of multiverse thing. And they're just going to have him face off with no history, no nothing like that. And exactly, Jason. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's an eye, eyes roll. It's, yeah. a, it's an eye roll for me because it's like, okay, <laughs> right. cool. On yeah, one I, hand, we get Spider-Man versus Venom, but we really don't get all that rich history no. to tie them together. Right. Um, yeah, which is which is a big part of the story. It's, it's the a other huge part, part of it. It's a and huge here's another part. problem. Here's another problem because if now if they tie Venom and Peter Parker together, where does Venom live? San Francisco. Well, yeah, and I mean they've already jumped that part of it too. I, I, again, I think it's literally just going to be, "Hey, look, there's Spider-Man versus Venom on the screen," and that's you're just going to have to be satisfied with whatever you get, and that's it. I think it'll be some sort of multiverse cross timeline type of thing, and it's just it not going to have the history, it, and, and that's well, really it. Well, what other hero is 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 based out of San Francisco? Uh, the one that just no, the West Coast <laughs> Avengers are all there. the West Coast Avengers could be. I mean, you know, <laughs> they, well, they could be, but Shang Chi. Yes. Oh, Shang Chi. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're just going to see Spidey and Venom because Spidey is his rights are owned by Sony, and that's where right. I think they're going to find their and, loophole. And it pisses me off. I'm sorry, but it pisses me off because I don't care to see Tom Holland versus this Venom. I don't care about that because. What I like about the Venom character is the fact that it is literally Spider-Man's shadow, right? The, the whole psychology of you've got yourself and your shadow self. 
And what works great about like these heroes and villains, like the Batman, the Joker, it's, you know, the, the self and the shadow self, but it's always the opposite, right? The Joker isn't actually Bruce Wayne. He's just the opposite. He's a garish clown as opposed to a dark bat. Whereas here, this is literally Peter Parker's shadow self. It's his it's his evil intentions. It's his dark side manifesting in the suit given to Eddie Brock. And that's why I just don't really get having anything with this character without Peter Parker. And it, again, it's why I'm just like, the movie's fine, but can we ignore it? And can you give me an MCU Venom, please? I Listen, I would love a second version of Venom in the MCU, but we'll see. Because listen, to tell you the truth, this movie only exists because Sony has their rights. And they were just, listen, Avi Arad has had a hard-on to make a Venom movie for years. He was, he was the reason the producers single-handedly force-fed his uh, Venom into Spider-Man 3, which is a movie we'll be covering in, a, in about a month or so. God, yeah. He is, he's the reason for it because he's obsessed with the character on screen, and he was determined to get him out there, and, then that, and that was it. And that's why this movie, a solo movie, exists. A solo Venom movie was rumored for way, way longer than this movie was even even remotely into development. It's been it was forever, um, and and money won in the end. I mean, they saw there was going to be money to be made, and and it made money. No, it did. It did. That's what happened. I'm it sure. made a shitload of money, and, and this second one will too. Yeah, it it doesn't have to be good to make money. It just has to have a comic book property in it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, look, the Suicide Squad didn't do all that great. I mean, I know it was still kind of early in the summer, and people were first still going back to theaters. But I mean, I think the, the reception of it will definitely, you know, obviously is gonna is gonna make you know, is gonna make that a property that they're gonna continue to develop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, like I, not everything that was coming out because if you remember, um, th- this was around the time where you know, um, what, what year did this movie come out? Twenty eighteen. 2018, which is right around the time that Justice League came out. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, there Justice League made nothing. What would it make? Six hundred and fifty million dollars, and this movie made over eight hundred. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I it just I, I look at I I look at the the whole comic book property thing, and yeah, yeah I mean, it's always you know, like you look at a, a character like Morbius, right? Which is you know that movie's going to come out early next year, and you can look at him and be like, who the fuck is Morbius? You know, like most people are like, who is, I can't tell you how many people have said, I saw the, you know, the trailer for that uh, new uh, Mo- Mo- Mobius. No, it's not Mo- Mobius. Morbius. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. More. Yeah. But what, who is that guy? I haven't known anything about him. I'm like, oh, he's a living vampire. Yeah. So like, yeah, you got to try to give it kind of backstory, but you know, uh, you know, people are like, oh yeah, it looks awesome. I want to go see it. It's yeah. It's yeah. I like the do. trailer for I like the trailer for Morbius. I so do I. I, I it's awesome, like but I mean, it's got people interested that yeah. don't even know who yeah. the hell he is. So, and, and to be honest fine. with you, I think Morbius is the exact character Sony should be looking at. Like, look, I'll even say this: I wouldn't mind a fucking Craven the Hunter movie, like bereft of spider-man and because it's, it's there it's 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 coming but it's coming but it's, but here's it's coming but, but here's the thing like that is easy if you give me a craven the hunter movie and then you incorporate spider-man it's like okay yeah because they don't need each other to exist i think my biggest problem with this movie 
besides the fact that it's not very good, is that like you Venom needs Spider-Man to exist. They literally are two sides of the same person. And right. t- like even in even in the comics, when they were given Venom his own thing, there was the Spider-Man connection, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was reading comics at those times when he was in, you know, LA or San Francisco, wherever the hell in California he was there was still some Spider-Man connection. He was still Venom and, and, and it made sense why he was Venom. And I guess for this, it's just like they chose the exact wrong character to say, no, this is what we're going to build a franchise on. Like give this character to the MCU and say, you know what? We're going to take villains like Craven or like Morbius, like things that they've been doing because these are people, characters that we don't necessarily need Spider-Man for. And maybe people even know, remember or know who they are so we can do something original with it but venom is not the character for that see and I, it, I, I, i'm going to disagree with you on the craven one because i would want i i mean my one of my spider-man movies that i want to see badly we is i want to see, see a craven yes. craven's last hunt we all want to see but but i think that my oh, point is if you made a craven origin movie and then sony decided they were going to bring tom holland in and give us a craven's last hunt yeah. You could do that. That would make sense. Unlike, well, now we have Venom and now we're going to bring Tom Holland in to face this Venom and they have no connection. Like, I guess that's my point is like, you could still, with every other Spider Man villain, you could still do the big Spider Man story after doing the origin story, except for Venom. Yeah, I agree. And this and this this all kind of goes back to the same thing. Where these companies are just trying to rush these properties out. Right. It's and, all money, 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 and that's all it is. It's not you know with Marvel, with Marvel especially. I mean, DC to some extent. You know, maybe the studio and and you know and and Zack Snyder were not exactly seeing eye to eye, but Snyder was about the story, was about building the universe, about doing it properly, and so on and so forth. And it was the studio that was fucking him up. You know, and with Marvel, you have a guy in Feige who just he is all about the story and, you know, keeping everybody, you know, in in keeping everybody, the fans, the non fans, the casual fans, keeping everybody interested in the storyline as a whole. Right. And keeping everything, you know, continuous and developing characters the proper way and, and, and doing it that way. And then you have these, you know, these places, you know, you have like like this movie which kind of goes takes a character you do some good things with it but it goes off half cocked because now you have a character that you wanted to you want to build on you know like if they had done this movie properly and had the tie to spider-man so maybe if they waited to get the you know the licensing or get whatever they needed to get from marvel in order to do something like this if they had tied the two characters together from the very beginning this movie would have made over a billion dollars but it's not because they fucked that up now you have a property that is valuable, but you don't even know how valuable it is because you don't yeah. have the proper story and you can't fix it. No. What what they should have done, because they had already made the deal with uh, Sony, had already made the deal with Marvel to let them use Spider-Man. What they should have done was said, okay, you're going to do a Spider-Man. You can use Spider-Man, but you're going to do a Spider-Man movie that introduces Venom and sets Venom up. And then after that movie... Venom's going to move to San Francisco and and that's comics accurate. Venom's going to become his own like thing. And Sony's going to deal with that. But the MCU is going to put that in a place. Had they done that Mm -hmm. a, I think the fans would have been happy. I certainly would have been happy about that. Mm -hmm. And B, they would have 
been they would have made themselves a license to print money because they would have originated the Spider-Man character with Spider-Man in the MCU, and then we only need him for one movie, and then we never have to see him in the MCU again. Sony could use him, and everyone who liked that Spider-Man movie would continue that going to Sony and watching those movies. And the other part of this that you have to remember is that these studio heads, they don't know the stories, they and they yeah. don't give a shit about a shit. the stories. They're like, who the fuck is Venom? Like they don't know anything about it. They have to. All they want is, is they need a pitch and can I make money, right? So nobody, even a guy who's as passionate as could be about the character, right? Someone who's read the comics from the the, the day that they came out knows the source material inside and out. Even if that person goes into that room and tries to pitch that movie to an executive, he can't stand behind and yeah. says this movie's going to make. A billion and a half dollars. I guarantee it. No one's going to do that. And they couldn't do that with Deadpool either. That's why they got no money. They just wanted to get Ryan Reynolds out of their face. That's the only yeah. reason why they allowed yeah. him to make Deadpool. And, and I mean, all serious, like, they gave him what? What did they give him? $40 million to make that movie? Yeah, and like that. And, it, and it was it was a tremendous success. So that no one was going to stand behind Venom and say, I can make you over a billion dollars with this. Once they saw the $800 million was there... Now they don't care about the Spider-Man connection. Yeah. Right? We do. And we're no. the ones spending the money for it, but they don't but, care. Like, but I I do think ultimately though they would make more money with this property if they did what I said. Because but yeah. they only know that now after now, they yeah, saw this after you're right. they saw this movie, which was not correct. a great movie, and you make the correct. money that it is. So now yeah. that they actually know. So what they're probably thinking is we're gonna ride this venom out as long as we can. <laughs> And then once this one, people stop making money. This these stop making money. Now we could tie him into this. Right. Now whatever. But they didn't realize. And you know, going back to when 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 they let Marvel have creative control over the Spider-Man character, they didn't know what they had in Venom. They thought it was a popular character. Yeah, yeah, right. It was yeah. tied to Spider-Man, so on and so forth. Whatever. Like they didn't really know what they had. Now they know. And now you'll be sure that once this one is done, and they go on to the next one. They will not make the same mistake that they made this time. Well, I think um, no, that's I, I definitely agree with that. I want to talk, hit a few more points though before we, we wrap this up on the actual movie itself, because mm -hmm. I, I still have a couple of head scratching moments and Let's quotes. Do it. I, I definitely got to get to. Um, so Eddie Brock goes ahead and is killed by Riot towards the end, right? Like stabs him right through the chest, right? Yeah, that's right. Eddie Brock's that. Eddie Brock's pretty dead. Dead. You would think. So Venom shows up, brings him back to life. Could have sworn early in the movie, Venom was like, hey, listen, if you die, I die. Can't let that happen. So, Oh, that, yeah, good point. That logic gets thrown out the window. So, all right, there's another one. Um, and then one of the other things that I wanted to get on is one of the quotes, and Tony, it's not the one that it is, but it's when he's talking to his, his ex-girlfriend on the suit, and she just has, with a straight face, she looks to him and is like, Hey Eddie, sorry about Venom. Because <laughs> it looks like Venom died at that point, and we'll get into what, yeah. what nonsense was there. So, and I'm just like, what is going on right now? What the fuck am I looking at? And then all of a sudden, by the way, we, as he walks away, we find out that Venom is back with Eddie Brock. And yes, back. <laughs> because the last time we saw, he got killed by fire, right? And he said goodbye, Eddie, and let him go, dropped him into the water. You'd believe that Venom is dead, which whatever, it's we don't really yeah. think Venom's dead. 
But there's yeah. no explanation at any point of how he ended up with Eddie Brock again. Whatsoever. Yeah, that's a good point. Why would you say goodbye to him if you thought everything was going to be okay and you were going to stay with him the whole time? That's Makes a very good point. Zero sense. Okay, Stanley cameo, by the way. Very nice. Yeah, Enjoyed that was that awesome. And then we get awesome. Well done. And, well and, done. Then we get, and then we get it. Because we already talked about the mid credit scene. Right? Then we get the scene at the end. Yeah. There's another rehashing of the, the store, and the guy's coming to, oh, you know, to yes. get money back. And then this time, he Eddie Brock steps in as the hero, and he's Venom. And he tells him, you know, what the hell was it? Your arms, your legs. I'm going to eat all of this. Yep. And then you're going to be this pointless. Armless, well, legless. Armless, headless, right. armless thing floating down the street like a turd. <laughs> like a turd. Again, it's a what? poorly written movie. It's a poorly what written movie. Fuck? Jason, I can tell you that this 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 what one quote fuck? this third quote, right? We we it, him and I spent about a week and a half every day. <laughs> every day. We it'd just be in the middle of the day. And he would go like and just just picture this. Guy's writing, you know, he's doing his thing, he'd be like a turd in the wind? Yeah. What the fuck okay. is that? I get that. I get and that. And he go right back to typing again. We like it was do solid week and a half. We had this was this was definitely a topic every day was the turd in the wind comment. I have to admit I understand that because I was broken in that respect by the human centipede. Have you ever guys ever seen the human centipede? I uh I avoided it because so, I knew it would break me. Yeah, so my wife is a big fan of these crappy horror movies. Like, not in not crappy like I like them, like Troll 2. Like, crappy like, <laughs> why would anyone watch this? She loved The Human Centipede. So one night, we watched The Human Centipede when we were first dating, and the next day at a party. And I walked around that party going, just apropos of nothing, I would walk around going, but the guy was a doctor. Like, doesn't he know that if you just sew <laughs> one's ass to one's mouth... It doesn't mean you have one digestive tract. You're just sewing three digestive tracts together. It doesn't make sense. And people would look at me and go, the fuck are you talking about? And that's, that's, that is Eddie in this. That was me in Human Centipede. That was Eddie in this movie. Turd in the wind. Turd in the wind. I was almost going to fantasy football team turd in the wind. Turd in the wind. But you know what? And and, and this is how and this is how the, the how it swings. This movie swings from highs to lows, in in my opinion. You have that right, and then you go and you have them arguing as they go down the street. Which I and I actually I again I, I kind of enjoyed that they were arguing going down the street. You know, no, we cannot eat heads of every. You know, like every once in a right. while we okay. So I that was fine. You know, whatever. Then you get into the you know the credits or whatever. And then you get the credits. You get the, the you get the credit scene with Woody Harrelson, right? And then you're like, okay, that sucked, and now you got this. So it's like, okay, I'm sorry that we fucked this up, but look at what we're gonna give you. Yeah. And then it right was, away you're like, fucking carnage! Oh, is, wow! Is this one of my favorite like, scenes in this movie? Was what's that? What's that post credit scene? <laughs> the one with Woody Harrelson? No, the post credit. The other scene. one. Oh, the it was, oh, oh. Wait, it was just a scene. It was a scene that, from Spider Verse. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's my favorite scene in Venom. It's the post credit scene. Right. We kind of right. should talk about the fact that this movie chose to have the last twenty minutes, like 
that post credit scene was like 20 minutes. It was a 20-minute yeah. scene from Spider-Verse. Like, yep. I remember I was watching it last night. Great scene I, from Spider-Verse, by the way. Yeah. Fantastic, Spider-Verse is a fantastic movie. I can't wait till we do it here. But I was watching it last night, and I once like he stopped like the, the rocket and stuff, I paused to see how much I had left. And it went, uh, you know, at 120 out of 150. And I went, I still have a half an hour left? That felt like a definitive ending. And then like 10 minutes later, it's over. And then there's 20 minutes of Spider-Verse and I'm watching it going, is this really the post-credit scene? Is this like... Yep, they set it up. I love, again, I love Spider-Verse, but... Vastly superior film. What a weird post-credits. Imagine that the post-credits scene for Endgame was what if... Yes. Yeah. It's just fucking weird. It's just one episode. One episode of one. What right. It's literally just one. It's the the first episode of one if with what if fucking Peggy Carter, Peggy Carter was was Captain America. Like imagine that was the the post credit scene. It was just bizarre that it was so long, yeah. and and it was like of a cartoon. It wasn't even the same genre that we were no. doing. Like it just made no sense that it was the post credit scene. It was right. just Sony saying, hey, you're probably a Spider-Man fan. Right. If you watch this film, guess what you're going to get? And you're going to get you really hyped up about that. Right. And I mean, it works because I was really I excited when I left was, the theater about that. And at least, But at least the, the X-Men, when they did it, at least no matter how bad the X-Men movie was, their post credit scene had something to do with the next movie in the franchise. Guys, like this was just a commercial for the next Sony Spider-Man movie. This movie had nothing to do with Venom. Yeah, they were just looking for target audience there. That's what they were doing for this. And that, and you could feel it, and it felt egregious. It's like this is. Yeah. uh, Why did you add twenty minutes onto this god awful movie for me? It made me excited for when we do it. Well, I mean, look, (laughs) and I might watch it tomorrow. I love that movie. Like, I'm so excited to talk about it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Well, I just, I just, I just want to say as many head scratching moments that they were in this film, and they were, they were more than just a few. Um, I still feel that it is a more coherent, coherent story and less head scratching or moments than Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Can either oh, of you yeah. agree with that? I can agree with that. Uncontested, <clears throat> better movie than nineteen Wonder Woman eighty four. Oh, it, well, he's thinking. Yeah, it's, it's thinking. He's thinking. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I never compared the two movies. I had to think about it. Well, I'm just saying, like, yes, it is a it is a better film. I'm just trying to think of like, I got to see Gal Gadot do anything, which is probably better than what I just I, I, in this one. I think of it as this. Okay, I did not have any fun watching Wonder Woman '84. I no I no, it's more, upsetting. What? No, all jokes aside, it's it's upsetting. I was frustrated with that move with that movie, and this one at least I could turn around and be like, "Okay, I laughed a little bit. I got a little bit of action. Yeah. I got a little bit of a path going forward. I'm I'm happy." Like that yeah. was that's the way I look at this movie. I didn't get that with One Woman Eighty Like, I just no, I didn't get it. Yeah, all jokes aside, I will say this is better than yeah. One Woman Eighty Four. I agree okay. with you. I, I this isn't it. a great movie, but One Woman Nineteen Eighty Four was frustrating. Mm. I thought this was going to be frustrating. I thought this was going to be a movie I hated. I knew that. I knew you weren't going to think it was frustrating because and, and there was too many right. things that I knew you were going to like about right. it. So I, I, this, I knew that this was going to go. I kind of figured this is where it was going to go with you. It's, it's not. It's, it's. I didn't love it. I didn't really even like it. But I didn't find it frustrating. I didn't hate it. Like 
Wonder Woman 1984 I found frustrating and I hated. Well, Simple yeah. as that. You I, know, yeah, I mean, hey, when I came in after seeing Venom, right? What did I say to you? I didn't hate it. Yeah. Exactly the way I described That's it. what you I said, yeah. I, it, I no, there's a cool. lot there's many there's there's a lot of movies I can say that are much worse than this. Yeah, I will, so it's I you will know, say that. I think Eddie and I have a particular we have a particular problem with this movie because we're all Spider-Man fans. And yes. this is a character who is deeply ingrained in the Spider-Man lore. And to create have this character with the Spider-Man lore, it's hard for me to swallow. I'm sure it's hard for Eddie to swallow. Looking at this movie just as it is, you know, I didn't I, I won't ever watch it again unless I have to. I'm not I'm not upset that I watched it. You know what I mean? Like I will never watch 1980 Wonder Woman 1984 again. I'd be upset if I had to watch it again. You know what I mean? Like I was well, upset the that way. I watched it, right. and, that's and that's the issue. And that's the way I felt about Suicide Squad. Like I, right. I cannot believe I have to sit and watch this piece of shit again. And I did, you know, just remember, you know, I I did sit no, there and I, I, I did, you did, I did watch it. you did. And I think I think I feel about Suicide Squad the way you feel about this movie. Like you and I have the same opinion of our these two movies. Like. There's something fun there for us. Other people don't necessarily get it, but you know it's fun for us, and and that's why I I respect that and I appreciate that and I and I agree with you. There's fun stuff here. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just because I, I think because I'm such a Spider-Man fan, I find it hard to disengage. I, I've, I I've done my best to disengage. Does, I try to just judge this movie on its own merits because again, it is very hard for me to disengage it, and I still try to do it for the sake of being. You know, just judge it on its own merits. Yeah, and I ended tonight. I, I judged it on its own merits. The, the Spider-Man thing completely detached. Pretend Spider-Man never existed with this character, and it's fine. But well, I mean, you could look at it this way also, and you could you could you could take solace in the idea that they didn't leave Spider-Man out because they didn't understand the source material. They just literally they weren't allowed to use him, and they just decided, well, fuck it, we're going to make the movie anyway. Yeah, and that I mean, is its fair. own. Yeah. Again, I just, I just wish they would have. I, I wish these people would be would would trust people like Kevin Feige, who know what they're doing. Because I think if if other if if like Sony had a Kevin Feige, they'd go wait on Venom, wait till the MCU does it. As I said right. before, and then we'll bring it in. Like I just wish that that every everyone who owned these properties, I don't mind that they're owned by different people. I just wish they had competent people who understood the source material to curate what goes on and, and make, you know, sort of make the movies because this is something that could have been good and it wasn't. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that's the frustrating part for me. I, I, I agree. I think that I think if they have done it, if they had done it right and if they had tied it, you know, to, to Spider-Man more when they had the ability to do so or when they could convince Marvel to take him and say, "Hey, oh. you want to add? You want to add him into your stable? But we want to do. But it's, it would have been the same thing as Spider-Man. You, you know, you can incorporate him into the MCU, but the solo, the solo Venom movies are, right. you know, are released through our production company. And I think that that would have worked. And I, I think that they just again, too. they just jumped the gun because they just wanted to create this, you know, this Spider Verse without Spider-Man, which was." You know, they, they, yeah. right, and and it wasn't like they were we weren't making money because they made they make they made a shitload of money on on Spider Man the MCU Spider Man so they yeah. made a ton of money off of them they did so. so 
Well, just one thing before we, we, we wrap up, I just I want to know what you guys expect or what you know, do you have any expectations for this this movie going tomorrow? I'm hoping it's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping. I, I like Woody Harrelson. I don't really like Tom Hardy, to be honest, as Eddie Brock. I, which I've said, I think, like, I, he's acting in a completely different movie in this movie. But I, I really like, I, I really like the character of Carnage. I really like uh, Woody Harrelson. So, you know, I'm hope, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's fun. I don't think it's going to be good. I'm hoping it's fun. My expectations are pretty low. Um, I don't want to hate the movie, though, because I'm going to sit there for an hour and a half and watch it. Probably it's twice. only an hour and a half too, which I can't believe that it's only which, ninety minutes. Yeah, I was ex- that I'm excited about. Me too. I'm excited about the runtime. You're you're only excited because you think it's going to suck. That's no, I'm excited because it's an hour and a half, and it's not. It, it won't be two hours because I think this was kind of dragged out a little bit. Oh, I um, agree. Yeah, this like this the beginning of this movie could have been shorter. We didn't need almost an hour without Eddie Brock and Venom being together. That shit should um, happen sooner. And how about yeah. the fact that you you could say about a movie that it was it was drawn out in the beginning, yet you have fucking massive holes that you can't explain. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's poor writing, right there. Well, that's the thing. It's like they 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 drew out the beginning and they went, "Oh shit, we got to finish this movie." Come on, no answers, just do it. Like that's what this movie felt like. Uh, yeah, no, I think my expectations are. I mean, my expectations going into the first one were pretty low, and I mean, I I don't think it's going to be great. I, I want it to be fun. I would like it to be something enjoyable. I hope I'm not pounding my head against the wall or something like that when it's over. Um, and that's it. I mean, I like Woody Harrelson also. Um, I don't... I Carnage as a character, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not over the moon with him. I never really have been. Mm. He looks cool. I get it. He looks cool. I, and I, I don't think... I, I, I'm not that in love with, with the character, but... Um, <laughs> Eddie, can well, you I, guess? I'm, I'm curious to see what this post-credit scene is about because apparently I heard it's, it's a big I, deal. I heard it's off the hook. I heard it's yes. off the hook. Did, yeah, and I if it's just it's because bad. Morbius shows up or something, I'm gonna be kind of annoyed because I'm like, all right, that's it. Yeah. I'm expecting Morbius to show up at some point in this I film. Would, I, I would think so. I would think yeah, so. I'm, I'm I, I don't know. Did you, did you? So you guys saw the trailers, obviously, right? The the, the yeah. one line I think that I remember that I actually laughed out loud, and I don't typically do that during trailers. But the one, the one where I guess they they get they they see Carnage for the first time, and oh. Venom goes back into Eddie and goes, "Oh yeah, oh, oh shit, that's a red one." Yeah, <laughs> that's actually like, pretty good. Okay, yeah, that I, is pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, please make make this film like that. <laughs> make plenty of comments like that. Make plenty of dialogue based upon things just. Just the way he delivered that, the way it, it, the the perfection that was, I was I, I I would be very happy if that if that if it ends up being something that could that you could be, I could, if I could laugh like that during the film that I laughed when I when I heard that in, in the trailer. Um. All right. So then that's it. That's what we got for for this week's Granny's Peach Tea. Uh, yes. Next week we will be talking about Venom. Let there be carnage. So that'll be our film for the week, and then after that. We will begin our dive through these Spider-Man films. Nice. Are we, on, are we so. starting with Toby 1? I think we should. Why not? All right. Let's, let's start awesome. with the OG. Uh, so okay. we'll go ahead. So we're going to be talking about a whole lot of Spider-Man for the next couple of months, I guess, on the yeah. show. We'll take some breaks, you know, for Eternals. Uh, but that's where we're headed. Are we gonna, we'll talk about Titans. We'll talk about next episode of What If. 
We'll see what uh, Ultron and his uh, Infinity Stones are, are up to. That's right. Is we that... have four episodes of Doom Patrol because we didn't yes. do Doom Patrol this week. So my fault. We're going to be doing four episodes next week. Yeah, we'll have a whole lot of Doom Patrol. Another packed show next week. Uh, we will see when that uh, that will drop because we'll discuss that after. Uh, and we'll let you know what's up. So thanks for joining us tonight again. Uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, hit subscribe on Pop Culture Pros. You can check out past episodes and future episodes that we have coming up. Uh, if you're a fan of the Yankees, you can check out the Empire 161 show, which is my other show with Lisa Garcia. That we'll be doing that on Sunday night. If you're into the Mets, you can check out the Put It in a Book show with Farachi uh, and the guys. They'll be doing that. You'll also see Farachi and Tim covering the Giants. They have the uh, We Stomp You Out show as well. Uh, you got If you're into wrestling, check out the A to Z show with Eric and Tim. Tim is all over the place on his, on uh, Pop Culture Pros. He even pops up here at times. So you can check sure. that out. Um, and then you got Jader and Kyle. Well, I haven't done a show in a little bit, but I'm sure they'll be talking about Maybe they'll be covering Venom as well. Um, but that's pretty much that. So uh, if you're watching us on the Facebook stream, you can like us, join our group at uh, the Granny's PhD Facebook group. You can bunch of news that we drop on there as soon as we can get it and, and stuff like that. It's stuff that we don't have time to talk about on the show. Um, and check out Pop Culture Pros. Go ahead and, and subscribe to that as well across the board. So uh, for Tony, for Jason, Everyone, stay safe. Have a good week. Enjoy the movie. Go see Venom. Let there be carnage. And we'll see you next week. All right? Peace. Later, guys.